Matt Will. No L's, just sevens. This is the bliss, licking they lips, Twitter with this, minimal risk, finity shifts, ripping off rip, quick in the hits, first on the list, this, mad will, going crazy on the daily, dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment, yeah, another day, another pod, all these thoughts are up for size, so I had to ask him what he got, said he got a lot, said he got a lot of what, got a lot of shifts, and it's time for the daily blitz, hey everybody, welcome back to the daily blitz podcast, I'm your host Matt Williams, we are here for the Super show for week nine, where me and John break down every single game on the main slate of DraftKings. Go by betting, best bets, prop bets, whatever we think you need to know to make money on Sunday. We're going to go through. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M A T T W I 77 I M S. Joining me, as always, the aforementioned John Legaza at MLB Moving AVG. You can search on Twitter, NFL Moving Averages to find him. John, what is up? Are you ready yes. to get started? Yes, I'm doing like the Daniel Bryan, yes, yes, yes thing in my chair. I'm so excited to have you here. This is my favorite show to do all week. You know, Matt, I appreciate the platform during the week to do the little bits and pieces, you know, every day to just keep the tools sharpened. And for people that just want little bits to keep up through the week. So, man, I appreciate the opportunity. I hope you're digging, you know, the solo shows. I've been having a really good time doing it. And I really think it's been translating you know, into me being more effective betting, right? You know, the the more attention that you were putting on the nuance and stuff, the better the results are going to be. So I am super jacked up for this show. I think this is, you know, one of the best out there, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so for anyone not aware, if you have, uh, make sure you subscribe to the show. Just don't wait for Fridays for these to come out. Subscribe to the show. John's been on every single day putting out uh, shorter episodes for, uh, you know, a Sunday recap to see where we went right and wrong. It previews the Monday night game if you want to do DFS or some betting. He goes into some uh, the, the waiver wire pickups on Tuesday, Wednesday. He goes into some early line betting to see where some of the smart money, the big money is early, where the lines are moving, where you want to be and position yourself. And then, of course, Thursday, a little Thursday night preview, and then we're here on Friday. So make sure to subscribe there. And we have to keep the energy up because the first game we're going to talk about is New England versus Carolina <laughs> with an yeah. over, over-under of about 12. Yeah, pretty weak, pretty weak um, for people that you know want to follow along and maybe skip along. If you look at the DraftKings board, when you're in the lobby of a, of a game, you know, it goes left to right across the top, the easiest way to follow along. So, yeah, it's Patriots, Matt. They're going to Carolina. The Patriots are favored. The hey, Patriots hey are... real quick, you yeah. can take it entirely because I'm interested in no players from a DFS standpoint. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I, I don't really blame you at all. Uh, Patriots going to Carolina. They're three and a half point favorites. Like you mentioned, the total is at 41. That's as low as she goes. I, I'm not sure we've seen a total below 40 yet. So this is, like I said, as low as she goes. Sam Donald, he took a monster shot in the last game, had a concussion, and left. He's practiced in a very limited fashion, but they've made sure to really stress it. It's extremely limited. Like, that's been the quote the last couple days. So we don't even know if you're getting Walker. Matt, when I'm done, I do want the one thing from you. And if it's if we get P.J. Walker, if that's an upgrade on Darnold. So back to the game. The Patriots have been slowly improving. Mac Jones has got to be the best rookie quarterback. The knock on him for myself as well as others was, you know, Matt, him passing on deeper routes to try and go for the shorter, higher percentage routes, which he's very good at executing. You know, we see that 
man, just it's it's there for them. You know, 25 completions a game. He's only getting 253 yards a game. Although that's been on the rise, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, Matt, is he's been lengthening the field. Now, the Patriots still lack a true impact player. The Panthers' D has been good. We saw the better side of them again last week, though the Falcons missing Ridley at the last minute. This one just is really kind of messy. The people you might want to be behind with like a Damian Harris who's been getting lion's share of the work, without a doubt, he's looked really good the last couple weeks. He went over 100 against Dallas with a score, over 100 against the Jets with two, then 80 against the Chargers for one. But, man, the Panthers are really tough up front, allowing less than four adjusted line yards, 24 attempts, right around 100 yards a game. It's not the easiest sledding there. And also, I think, because of the Panthers' pass D-Matt, they're going to be able to stack the box. This one just feels really ugly. One of my favorite players in the league, and DJ Moore, is even off limits between the quarterback questions and Bill Belichick taking out your best weapon. So, yeah, I'm with you. You know, it took me three million words to get to the same result that you had. Nothing I want to touch except for the P.J. Walker thing because, you know, people see that and there's, you know, a a price element of DraftKings. He's at the minimum for QBs really at 5K. So could you get there just for the amount of time he's going to touch the ball? Um, No. I mean, if you're going to pay 5,000 for P.J. Walker, I'm paying 4,400 for Jordan Love. Um, Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And I don't, I, I don't want a part of Jordan Love. But right. if, uh, you know, I guess you're going to have to have a part of him, though, because you could probably, you know, you you could build some lineups. But there'll be so money, so much money on Jordan Love. If you want to go the cheap quarterback route, Walker would, could be the way to go if um, that is, in fact, the way they're going to go. Uh, the New England defense is not something I necessarily want to mess with, though, uh, especially with Walker. I know DJ Moore is fantastic, but again, uh, the Patriots defense the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's, it's tough. One, one monster showing from them was against the jets, which is, you know, it's the jets. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, which, uh, and then uh, against the chargers in LA, which is a little more impressive, but they haven't looked great the last couple of weeks either. Um, so this is why, yeah, I just, I don't want really any part of this. Mac Jones has looked better, but again, Carolina has a pretty, pretty decent pass defense. Yeah. Uh, regardless of their ability to get takeaways, um, Damian Harris, uh, for his price, he it's it was he six thousand. He doesn't really catch the ball, so I, I don't want any part of that. Obviously, with McCaffrey possibly coming back, you can't trust him or Hubbard. And uh, the New England pass catchers are so inconsistent, all of them from week to week. Again, aforementioned Panthers pass defense uh, kind of caps any kind of. Um, any kind of interest I have in a, like a, a Aguilar for a deep threat or Jacoby Myers, uh, DJ Moore is always interesting because he can always crack through. I would I would say that if you wanted to get cute, um, going with a, a Walker and Moore um, pairing would be interesting if Walker is getting the start uh, because you know Moore only comes in at sixty four hundred and you know in limited experience quarterbacks seem to go to the tight end pass catchers and slot a lot. So it's possible he gets involved a ton like usual, but yeah, overall, I don't really want a piece of this. The Patriots defense is 4,100 Panthers defense is only 2,600, which I don't totally understand. I said the, they on a week to week basis, they don't really score a whole ton for most of the season. Um, You know, you're, you're looking at for the Patriots defense, you're looking at, uh, performances in like the 
two to five point range, except they've had a few explosions for 19, 12 and 13. If you want to call them that, that I guess have, have given people hope and the Panthers offense is nothing to, to really write home about, but the, the Panthers defense, they've had some pretty decent games here. I mean, nine, 12, eight, eight, nine and 11. There's been two games where they've put forth a two and a negative four, but overall they're pretty consistent. So um, I really like them actually as the my favorite play of the entire thing. Twenty six hundred for the Panthers defense in this one. I think that's a, I think it's a misprice. Uh, you know, it's defense yeah. and it's very um, hard to predict. But as far as me being excited about a defense, this is about as excited as, as I'm ever going to get. I guess so. For twenty six hundred, I really like Carolina. Yeah. Well, as everyone knows who's been following along, I've been enjoying building a lineup as we go. I already have the Panthers defense in Matt. That's my favorite strategy for defense is not paying up and then looking for the highest quality. And then of course the Patriots are not really world beaters. Couple things left. The Panthers offense yeah, is really bad. And as you're digging through it, man, minus 15% pass DVOA. They have a bottom five ranked offensive line via PFF. They've allowed 24 sacks. I think that's bottom three in the league. So I can't even get behind more. You can't get behind anybody. Here is the main question with Christian McCaffrey. And you have to go back to last year, and then we'll get away from this ugly game. So McCaffrey last year played the first two games, did Christian McCaffrey things. He got injured. He came back in week nine against the Chiefs in Kansas City, and it felt very much like this. Matt, he was out. We didn't know when he was going to come back. He was going to come back. Was he going to be limited? Was he not? He ended up getting 28 touches for 150 combined yards and two touchdowns. So the real question for this game is McCaffrey at 8K. Do you think he gets McCaffrey usage? In which case, you got to get him, right? Because I've this is really the biggest kind of question mark on the entire board. And it really feels like an either all in or all out. So if you had to choose one of those, which is it? Because we know, listen, if McCaffrey usage is there, he's more of a $10,000 player than an $8,000 player. Yeah, I'm all out if I have to pick one of them because okay. I know the Carolina Panthers have come out and said that they won't be changing his usage at all upon his return, which sounds insane to me. Uh, they say they're going to use him that way. How can they? Uh, Hubbard has proven to be adequate. How can you yeah. not push it a little more his direction, at least in his first game back? Well, I think um, I have the answer. I think there's an answer for this one, and it's the fact that Christian McCaffrey played in week one, two, and three where they won, won, and won, and then didn't play, and they're, you know, one and four since, and last week was really kind of lucky if you were watching it. So I think that's it. That's got to be the reason that they win when he's playing and they lose when he doesn't. I think that if he were coming back in a matchup that I was expecting to be a little more up-tempo, a little more high-scoring, okay, yeah. maybe I'd take the shot. Um, I mean, in this one – you know, I mean, you could pay, he could be, he could be himself and still not pay off just because it's, uh, I expect the score to be so low. Yeah. All right. That's, that's, that's a really fair spot to put your tiebreaker. I like that you always tie something, something objective to it. And I think that's a really good way to do it because we never know what's going to happen. But if we make the wrong mistake, uh, we make a mistake, I should say, you could look back and say that you justified it properly. I mean, I'll say this. If you're a high volume person, you're probably going to have, yes, line up, you agreed. probably want a piece of McCaffrey at his cheapest price. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. I would say if I'm even at like, once I get to my fifth lineup, I'm making sure I have one McCaffrey. So I, that means I'm at probably about 20% exposure, which is probably below the field touch. 
But I think, again, you know, you still have to use the multiplier, right? That four times multiplier at 8K, you still need 32. 32 is a big game. He could do it, but you need full usage. All right, let's move on. Matt, we got Buffalo Bills, 14 and a half point favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I did forget to mention my claim to fame. It's back after my family and I bouncing back from Dorona. But I actually have seen every snap of every game from last week. I finished them all. Yesterday, Buffalo looks really good. That game was not nearly as close as the scoreboard said against Miami. Okay. The other side, Jacksonville, wow, they're atrocious, especially without James Robinson. So when Robinson, the second Robinson went out, that offense completely fell apart. People are blaming um, Trevor Lawrence. And, man, it's it's tough. It's a tough go. And I'm not – Matt, I'm not really trying to defend T-Law. He has not been very good. But he's on the run. They are dropping balls. They are missing routes. I mean, it was so egregious. It was so egregious in that last game. And that's what I mean. Part of why in football you really have to see a lot of it. So Lawrence was targeting Tavon Austin, of all people. Austin should have been wide open on a break. That should have been a hard post to the outside left um, sideline. And instead, he went, he like totally turned the wrong direction. He had steps. The ball would have been there perfectly. He probably would have had like a 65, 70 yard touchdown. Instead, it was an awful looking pick. And if you just see the highlight, you're like, oh, well, who was he throwing it to? Well, he was throwing it to an open receiver that took the wrong assignment. They were arguing after the play. So, I mean, Jacksonville is just really ugly. It's really, really bad on both sides of the ball for Jacksonville right now. And Buffalo is probably. You got to say, Matt, a top two complete team, right? Right up there with the Rams. They get it done on defense, only 15 and a half points allowed. They get it done on offense, 33 points scored. Both of those, I think, maybe best in the league, or if not, you know, top two or three. Gosh, man, I don't like to cover two scores, Maddie. I really don't. But I think this is a place that you can get a 15-point win from Buffalo, especially coming off what was a little bit ugly. And my play here, if you're, you know, unless you're going Allen naked, I think I might actually go back to Emmanuel Sanders. And again, he <laughs> hung, he hung the goose egg, right? He hung the goose egg. But again, you had to see it. He was targeted deep. I think every time we're all deep targets, one of them was, should have been a 54-yard touchdown. The Miami defender, all right, he made the play. It was with Matt. He was beat by three steps, and he made the play with a ring fingertip. He just mattered, was managed to get it on there. If he doesn't, we're talking about Sanders having, you know, an, a deep – well, oh, he had the Deshaun Jackson game – it was only one catch, but it was 50 and a score. So I think I'm going to go back to them. Jacksonville has been very poor defending the pass. I think they're worst in pass DVOA at 50%. They've only gotten 11 sacks on the season. They have the worst adjusted sack rate in the league, allowing 280 pass yards a game, nine yards per attempt, nearly 12 yards per completion. They don't force turnovers. Man, they're getting absolutely torched, allowing more than 21 points a game to fantasy quarterbacks. This one should be Bills by a landslide. I hate to cap games like that, Matt. I'm an underdog better, and you know that. But the fact this one has only moved from 14 and a 14 and a half, I don't think it's done moving. I think maybe 16 by Sunday. This one really feels like a landslide. And so, like I said, for me, it's Allen. 
Sanders in tournaments, I'm not confident enough for cash, and I wouldn't touch anything with Jacksonville regardless of how fast they move. We know they're a very fast-paced team. You know, one of the fastest, 25 seconds per play, but only two and a half minutes per drive. They don't do anything with it. They're not efficient. you got to get away from Jacksonville totally. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, for what you said of Trevor Lawrence is absolutely true. Uh, he he, he, de- he uh, de- definitely the – definitely a lot of his mistakes are not self-inflicted has a lot of bad stuff going around him. Unfortunately this week, it doesn't necessarily matter because he's going against Buffalo. Who's only given him five touchdowns in six weeks. It's just, it's, if you're going to believe in Trevor Lawrence, this isn't the week to do it. Um, They're, although they are going to be throwing like crazy. You never know what happens in garbage time. Just look what the jets almost had had a backdoor cover on the Panthers or on the, um, the they play last night. Uh, the, the Colts. Yeah, the Colts. They yeah. that that would have been like one of the worst backdoor covers of all time. Um, oh yeah, yeah, real. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I could I could see the Jaguars maybe putting up some points in the back end, but that's more of a yeah. I I, I still can't go there in DFS even with Trevor Lawrence at only fifty four hundred. Josh Allen at eighty two hundred. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think you played him last week. It looked like it was going to be a huge nightmare because I pair him with Emmanuel Sanders. Josh Allen ends up coming bouncing back big. He had eight eight rushes for 55 yards and a touchdown, which of course saves him all the time. He's another great play this week. The problem is the wide receivers. Starting with Emmanuel Sanders, since you brought him up, we said how much we loved him because he was one of the most consistent wide receivers in all football. Targets of eight, six, 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 five, eight, the first six weeks, and then boom, oh, oh for four um, against Miami. And his salary has gone 41, 4,000, 42, 49, 51, 54. Now he's up to 56. Might as well raise his price up more after a goose egg. I was hoping for a little bit of a discount, but again, it's at Jacksonville and DraftKings aren't completely stupid. <laughs> um, although last week, I don't know what the heck they were thinking with Darrell Henderson. Hopefully everyone yeah. listened when we identified him as the misprice of the season, which he was. Um but uh, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders. The the problem is he's listed at fifty six hundred, and for the season, I mean, he's just not coming close to to kind of returning the value you'll need uh, for him at that price. I mean, yeah, he, he needs a big game. Yeah, I mean, it, basically in Washington, um, week three, he had five catches on six targets, ninety four yards, found the end zone twice. I mean, that's what you need. Yeah. So um, I don't. I think. I don't think he's like um fantastic value like he's been in the past, but he's solid enough. Uh, I don't I don't know if if like I high volume I'd have a piece. If I was just going a couple of lineups, I'd probably leave him out. How about Diggs? You think we get the Diggs blow up yet? He, here's the thing, right? Seventy seven hundred. It won't happen. It just won't happen. Yeah, it's it's seventy seven hundred, which screams for you to take him. But forty yards, eighty nine, sixty nine, sixty two. Uh, 60 and 69. He had 114 versus Houston. Uh, seven catches on 11 targets. Didn't even find the end zone for 21 points. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing to suggest that Josh Allen is going to zero in on him. There's nothing to suggest that. And uh, I, I I can't see it this week. I mean, I, I don't see how you can ignore him uh in in cash games he's definitely risky he's almost like a gpp only because you know in 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 cash he seems like a a bad option if there's a if his best game of the season were to come this week is a decent week to bet on but i think that cole beasley of 5400 emmanuel sanders of 5600 they have just a good a chance to find the end zone as him and uh there's a good chance that they just get up quick and early 
And I, as much as I don't like to play them, this could be a, like the Zach Moss show a little bit at uh, 5,300. I don't actually mind that. I mean, he catches the ball out of the backfield, uh, you know, over the last couple of games, eight catches for 54 yards uh, has 11 targets. Um, so I think that uh, him plus maybe some garbage time running 53 isn't so bad uh, if he could somehow find the end zone. But yeah, I'm not loving this a lot. I think Josh Allen as a standalone is my favorite bet. I don't really like anything on the Jacksonville side. I think that people are sucked into Jamal Agnew. Um, but 4,300, I guess you can't really make any mistakes. You can go there. But uh, yeah, overall, I'm not. I'm just not digging this at all. I, I, again, even the Bills defense of 4,000, if you wanted to pay up, I think that's a little bit of a sucker bet too because it's one of those things where you're going to love it, love it, love it until garbage time comes. And then a couple of little fluke plays that mean nothing to the actual end result are going to end up screwing you in DFS. So um, my my favorite options are Josh Allen and Zach Moss, but obviously not paired together. <laughs> right. Man, you, you were talking about the Buffalo wideouts. And, you know, Matt, I, I'm into input stats, right? Input greater than sign output stats. Gosh, the Diggs and Sanders, it's got to be coming. So my triple slash input for wideouts is – Target percentage, air percentage, and A dot. And we're looking for 20, you know, 25 and 10, respectively. Stefan Diggs, 25% targets, 32% of the air yards, 12 A dot. It's like 11.6. Those are all check, check, check. It's got to be coming. Emmanuel Sanders, check this out. Like, if you were to strip this name, man, 17% of the targets, which is good. 34% of the air yards and 18 a dot man that those input stats are just jumping off the page in particular against Jacksonville. You, you gotta look at these guys in, um, in tournaments. I think at least maybe the price is a little too high for cash, but yeah, I, I again, I think if I get to that fifth lineup, like we mentioned with McCaffrey, that's what I gotta start getting in on it. I may even be on digs if I get to a third lineup as I start to look at it. You know, I like to buy low, the matchup is great. Again, Buffalo got challenged last week, and I think I might be buying low on the big cover here. So yeah, give me give me Buffalo. The one thing we didn't mention, Matt, was the oh, the total, the over under is at 48 and a half. If you assign 30 points to Buffalo, even 31. Jacksonville still needs 17. Can you see them hanging 17 on the Bills? Um, it's a lot, 17. Yeah, I think I think they're more in the 12 range. Yeah, that's kind maybe, of how I maybe maybe they too. sneak out a few field goals. Yeah, Buffalo's <laughs> also showing, you know, like you mentioned the defense and why defense matters in betting is because you need those late stops. That's really the end of it, right? That's kind of the end of the argument. You need late stops in order to kill the backdoor cover that Colts betters, you know, were worried about yesterday. Like you mentioned, that really would have been one of the all-time ugliest ones. And just a quick thing, Matt, I mentioned to you, I wanted to add a new wrinkle. Uh, to the show as far as betting, we have a good one here, a good example. And it's when I talk about the price per point. You know, I listen to a lot of content, follow a lot of big people, and no one's really doing this. I may have to get this information out in the public, and it's a good way to determine value between the spread and the money line, right? So every money line has a price, and then the, the spread generally has the same price, but the price for the spread people 
is the number, is the points themselves. So you really have to do the math on what those points cost you. And I'll give you a good example. So this is a good one. Buffalo, for example, you know, you see this crazy money line. Matt, it's set at minus 900. For, so for you new betters, it means you have to put $900 of your own money down just to win 100 now, granted, we all think Buffalo is going to win, but that's absurd. So if you take the 14 and a half points that go off at the standard minus 110 and do the math. So I ran all these numbers, so I have them exactly now. A Buffalo bill point, that costs $61 a point. As we get through these, Matt, I'll try and point out some of the other ones. A value point is like under 20. So $60 a point it costs you. That's when you take the cover. Right. So just to keep those things in mind, we're going to the reason I pointed out, and I know no one is paying this 100, but I'll bring up another couple of ones better. And it's a good way to compare it. So, Matt, let's move it on. Why don't you lead us off in this one? You know, I'm a really good friend because I give you the ugliest game on the board. Houston Texans going to Miami, five and a half point underdogs, probably the only team in the league. The Texans would be less than a touchdown dog to maybe short of Detroit. Five and a half point dogs in Miami, 46 total. Take us away. I would call this the ugliest game. I think we cover that in New England, Carolina, but uh, I, I yeah, it's a better quality though. Carolina plays defense. New England plays some defense. I guess quality is well. I mean, well, I guess quality is in the eye of the beholder. There's more. There's more to do in this game. I think uh, for as far as movement from a uh, DFS perspective, which is where I'm looking. I I love Tua in this one. Yeah, Uh, I think that at 5800, he's one of my favorite plays of the weekend. The quarterback up. I'm last week he you know didn't do very well oh, rating of like 58.2 only 16 fantasy points again at buffalo uh which isn't the place yeah. you want to go to but the two weeks before that i get at jacksonville versus atlanta and don't before you write them off i mean for god's sakes he's playing houston this week so i mean it's similar production 25 uh and 28 uh, fantasy points and I think that he is in for possibly his best game yet uh, versus the Texans here, who, again, I said that was the only game where Stefan Diggs kind of like showed off this year was against the Texans. And I love to pair him with Jalen Waddle, who, uh, you know, last week he had 6.9 fantasy points. He had 12 targets still. Week before that, eight targets. Week before that, 13. Again, 12 targets against Buffalo at Buffalo is nowhere you want to go. So Jalen Waddell, he's going to get a ton of targets. He's going to make a lot of receptions in this one. Big Jacksonville week six, 10 catches on 13 targets, 70 yards, two trips to the end zone. I think that's uh, a nice thing to hope for. He's only 5,600. And he's only 300 more than Javante Parker, who obviously showed up in a big way last week. Again, at Buffalo, eight catches on 11 targets for 85 yards. Didn't find the end zone. Uh, the week before, nine targets, four catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. So you can always consider Devontae Parker as well. But, again, all things considered, I don't think this is a game where you want to completely go full stack on Miami, uh, like, you know, Tua Waddle and Parker. I guess you could if you think they're going to really put it on the Texans. Or Literally, I would have no problem with it. But, you know, if you're picking one, go with Waddle. He's a target machine. So I absolutely love Tua and Waddle in this one. I don't want anything to do with the running backs. On the uh, you know on the Miami side, I think that even if they get up big, I don't like them enough uh, to bother. And then Mike Gesicki, you know, I, I think that I think that he's okay. Um, the last couple of weeks, he has had was it 15 catches on uh, 200 yards, 
and a touchdown on 17 targets. Um, he's averaging 13 fantasy points per game in that total, which, which isn't bad. Last week against the Bills, um, he had three catches, 48 yards on only four targets. Again, I don't think I think that had more to do with the fact that the Buffalo Bills are very, very good. So, again, if you wanted to go like full tilt uh, against Houston, which is never a bad play, Mike Gusecki is 4,900, which I think is a little high because, I mean, he's he's giving you – Again, those in week six and seven, he gave you 22 and a half, 21 and a half. Even a week four versus India, he gave you 16.7. So I, I don't think it's bad. The week before versus Vegas, 18.6. I think that he's a perfectly good person too. I just don't know how many points I'm expecting out of the, you know, you can everyone hear my thought process as I'm talking here. I believe in two, and I think this is his game of the year. So if, if you are thinking that along with me, it could be time to actually stack some dolphins. Uh, so maybe I will go to a Waddle Gasecki or, you know, work Parker in there somehow, because I think that, you know, Houston does suck. <laughs> uh, we all know this. I don't, uh, maybe Tyrod Taylor plays and makes it even more of a game. Uh, but uh, yeah. And, and maybe keeps uh, the dolphins even throwing a little more. So yeah, I, I kind of like this game from a DFS perspective. I'm really liking the dolphins. I'm no doubt going to be disappointed, but I think uh, <laughs> at the prices here, you know, I mean, you could go with Josh Allen as a standalone, or you can believe in the Dolphins in my cheap stack of the week. 5,800 to a 5,600 Waddle, 4,900 Gasecki. I kind of like it. Yeah, you, you put out a lot of – there's a lot of points there. I think where we might separate is is at Devontae Parker. I think I might be valuing him a little more than you if you – No, I like him. I, no, I said I think if you believe in a stack, I'd throw him in there. I just said if I'm if I'm flipping a coin, but I think I'll, he's go, the I'll go with the guy – I'll go with the guy who just has the ridiculous amount of targets all season in a while. That's all. Well, how about this? When Parker's on the field, that, that's kind of where I was going is these – insane volume spikes that we've seen on Miami, I think were a function of the injuries. And then to expand to a only really liking to throw to people he's familiar with. So that's kind of my working theory. And if you apply that, you see the volume that again, that's causation and correlation are two different things, but you see when Parker is playing, those are the lower usage Waddle and Gusecki games. And then when Parker is back, you see those things kind of drop a little bit, in particular for Gusecki, less so for Waddle. His targets will be there regardless. But so check this out, Matt. When Parker is playing, he has the team lead, right? My triple slash. He's the team leader in target percentage when he's on the field, 24.4. He's the team leader in air percentage. Check this out, 39.6 of all air yards go to Parker when he's on the field and he's the a dot leader nearly 12. So the triple slash is there. That's what I want to see. And we saw the usage with the volume and the price is still in place. He practiced every day this week. It was limited, but I didn't think they were really going to push him to full anyway. So I think I'm going with Parker there. And then to the flip side, man, um, Tyrod Taylor is starting and that's what I was waiting for. So with Tyrod Taylor starting, and I'm going to get to the points. That's why I brought it up in the last game. We're going to get to that in a minute because Texans points are only costing you $15, you know, opposed to $60 point for Buffalo. So I think Texans are not going to get covered up. I like the Texans to keep it close. I think they might actually win this one. 
But with Taylor playing, man, Brandon Cooks is a super stud. I mean, I think I think his triple slash numbers are might be league leaders. He's a thirty percent target share on the on the year. He's a forty five percent air percentage on the year. These are just gaudy with with twelve a dot. So his triple slash is in line as well with Tyrod back. And Miami can't defend. Check this out, people. I like to run, you know, I have all my stats, Matt, and I conditionally format them so I could see where they rate compared to the league. Um, I have never seen so many bad stats in one game. I This is unbelievable. So, okay. Houston points scored, Houston points allowed, Miami points scored, and Miami points allowed are all bottom three. Houston, Houston plays run, then all four of those for yards all per game. So Houston, yards per game, on offense, Houston yards per game on defense, Miami on both sides of the ball. Both sides of the ball for both teams in yards, yards per play, yards per drive, drive success rate. I mean, it's it's insane. I have never seen such poor performance relative to the field. It's unbelievable. No one does anything well. The Texans can't run. Miami can't stop the run. Miami can't run, but Houston can't stop the run. It's just, it's absolutely nuts. The only kind of high spike marks that you see are in pass attempts and pass completions. But it doesn't matter if they only yield 230 yards a game. I mean, this one is so ugly. I'm not sure where the 46 points come from. I know people see it as this tremendously like fantasy viable game. I'm not totally sold there. That's where I could see going with just the two big wideouts because a single wideout, right, can survive in a game even without a tremendous total. You know, with that four times multiplier, Parker and Cooks are both right around that 6K mark, I believe, right? Um, Cooks right at 6.1, Parker at 5.3. So Parker only needs 21 points. Cook needs 24 and you know, for Cook's volume, 24 is not that is not crazy, right? That what do we need? Eight for 90 and a score is 23. That's yeah. totally, I will yeah. say though, people considered him this stud at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, going off for 112 yards, 132 yards with uh Tyrod Taylor doing his thing. He has yeah. not returned value on 6,100, which is low. Sounds low, right? He has not returned value on that this season. 132 <sighs> yards he caught in week one. Yeah, he, it's it's you know it's why amazing. He can't find the end zone because the Texans can't score. So yeah. I I agree with everything you said. The only problem is look at last week six 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 for six on six targets. Um, six catches, six targets, eighty three yards, a touchdown. Didn't get there. Week yeah. one, five catches on seven targets, one hundred thirty two yards. Didn't get there. Like yeah. what the hell? I mean, nine catches, eleven yards, one hundred twelve yards. Couldn't get there. Yeah, it's just it's just tough to bet on this again at the yeah, sixty right. one hundred. We, we have to hope he takes the top off. Yeah. Um, it's just that, like, I think there's enough of a track record of these guys just not freaking reaching the end zone. It's 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 just so tough. But um, it, it's going to happen sometime. You can't, you know, you can't just bet on everything. Like, uh, you know, oh, I can't do this because it hasn't happened before. You know, I'm betting on Tua and the freaking Dolphins to crack open a massive <laughs> game. So you might as well bet on Cooks. I'm just saying, like, um, you know, the on the opposite side. Of well, things. I think I think Cooks Cooks might even work in that Miami stack that you're talking about. But yeah, again, poor quality teams. I try not to fall in love with the situation. And I think that's a mistake that some players and some betters make is seeing bad defenses and thinking that that's an auto smash. Well, if your offense is not good at execution, it's not necessarily the case. Let's get away from this game. It absolutely Hold on. Stinks. I got to talk okay. about one more guy. <laughs> oh, go, I got to talk, talk about the weird punt guy of the, the day. What, Rex Who do we Bur- miss? Rex, Rex Burkhead. 
Um, oh my gosh. The, 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 this is a backfield you want to know part of everyone. This isn't a cash game play. This isn't a game. This is this, you know what? This is a million, this is a million maker play. Right, a million maker play. Uh, he had 49% target share. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if they're going to find the end zone, why the heck not corrects Burkhead? He only needs to return you like 16 points. Um, it's that backfield's it's, ugly. Oh gosh. No, it's a horrible backfield. You don't know yeah. where it's going to go. Um, as far as on the ground, I have no idea, but if you're going to have a 49% target share, um, I, I, I think, uh, that, that I am going to consider you. Uh, so if you want to put together, uh, com- some contrarian crap, uh, Rex Burkhead, I mean, you, you know, for 4,300, you're, you're not going to find anyone with a 49% target share for 4,300, even though this is a particular situation where it sucks and it's attached to nothing fantastic. It's still, it's still 4,900. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, I just don't think I can get there. I, although again, I I'm like trying, you, hey, I'm not no, trying you, to talk you attach to the right, you attach, you attach, and just as I was talking about before, Matt, even in arguments that you kind of make tongue in cheek a little bit, you attach the proper nuance. The proper context is that that is a millionaire play. It is a millie maker play. It is because he could catch eight balls for 65 yards and get in the end zone. That's just a fact. So yeah, yes, it is crazy. And I'm not a, I'm not enough of a volume player to get there, but yeah, I didn't mean to like haul it. Um, again, if I could just, let's just break for a second and do this, this price per point thing. Um, as far as betting people, because it's something I hear a lot about, and it's something that it's a mistake that people make all the time, taking points when they shouldn't or taking the money line when they shouldn't. So again, if you're looking at this one, the Texans are the Texans are five and a half point favorites plus ninety five for the win. That's only a fifteen dollar point that you're being offered. You got to think about that, right? It's right in the middle. But the flip side is where I wanted to point my attention for this one. So the Dolphins are five and a half point favorites. That's at your standard minus 110. But the money line is minus 240. So if you do the math, that's $42 a point that you have to pay. You can't pay that, right? So that's a scenario where if you like the Dolphins, you go for the cover. That point is too expensive. The flip side, that dollar number you're being offered, 15 and a half is like... You really would want to probably go with the Houston money line at plus 185. Except Houston doesn't win football games, which is why you want to avoid it. But I did want to get into the math a little bit. Thinking of these games, Matt, in terms of price per point and having that steer you towards either the spread or the money line has been one of the biggest trajectory changers in me in my career, really, because it's I'm telling you, it's a mistake people make. It's a it's an easy calculation that could steer you away from it as well, right? It's not a it's not a whole chalkboard of math. It's a single division. Okay, let's move on. Uh why don't you take another one? This one is a little bit it's a little bit prettier, I guess. The Atlanta Falcons, six and a half point underdogs to the New Orleans Saints, 41 and a half point total. No one expecting much of anything here. Oh, the Falcons really looked disheveled last week. I mean, you lose a piece like Ridley indefinitely, and I mean, I bet that's going to be part of it. But yikes. I, I, and then the other side, I thought the Saints were going to get routed. I really did. Tampa came out and marched the ball right at the field, scored a touchdown. I'm like, oh, here we go. That four-point spread didn't feel like it was enough. And I was wrong. The Saints came out and won with a backup. And now it sounds like we're getting Taysom Hill. So – I'm just curious to your take, Matt. What direction do you think you'll go? Do you think he'll start? And do you think we'll see what we have seen in the past, which has been bad for Kamara? So, like, you can see where I'm going. Paint the landscape here. Falcons at Saints. 
It's, it's, this is a tricky game because yeah. everyone's painting it as a Kamara smash play. And he's like this guy at 8,200 that should be in all cash lineups. But like you said, we don't know if we're going to be getting Hill or Simeon. My guess is we get some of both. And when Hill is in there, that is not a good thing at all. Kamara had just three um, three targets. Was it three catches on seven targets? No, no, three three catches, seven yards on six targets in the first three games uh, with uh, with Taysom Hill. And I I don't I don't necessarily understand why anyone would be totally interested in in wanting to pair those two up. Uh, I mean, or, or going with either individually because. I know that Taysom Hill is a, is a standalone fantasy asset is, is very interesting. I, I suggest that everyone pick them up off of waivers and season long, but we don't know what the saints are going to do in this game with them. So the quarterback is a no go situation as far as Alcom, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I mean, he could be in line to destroy this week. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's just, I don't, I don't know what to expect. It's such a small sample size with him with Taysom Hill. Again, I said, he had six targets, three catches for seven yards in his first three games with Taysom Hill. In the fourth game, he had seven catches for 44 yards on 10 targets, which is better, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect here. They they have Mark Ingram now, so if they get up big, Kamara's not necessarily guaranteed work. You know they're going to lean on Mark Ingram. So, I mean, a 4,600? Uh, I think in a game against Atlanta where I expect the Saints to kind of have the game in hand, I should say at least under control. I don't expect any kind of blowout. Uh, I think that Mark Ingram could be actually not that horrible pick of 4,600. I'm not going to be going there, but as far as cheap plays go, 4,600, that's not bad. Um, I, I'm probably going to be shying away from Kamara in this one, even though I get the feeling he's he's going to be – He's going to be decent. I wish I could project what his his volume is going to be, but as far as everyone's uh, rankings for the week, they're expecting big things. Therefore, I'm expecting high um, ownership. Therefore, I'll probably back away. Um, as far as the Atlanta side, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do. I mean, the 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 Saints defense is solid. Calvin mm-hmm. Ridley is taking a break from football, and we all saw what happens when a defense gives their entire attention to to uh, Kyle Pitts. He was hold held to just two catches on six targets for 13 yards against the Panthers who obviously are, are pretty difficult, but um, so are the saints. So yeah. F at, at his price, 5,900, that's, that's kind of a difficult pill to swallow um, as the third most expensive tight end of the weekend. I don't think I can go there either. So yeah, I, I can't. Uh, Russell Gage, no. Tajay Sharp, no. And if I'm fading the quarterbacks of the Saints, I'm certainly fading the wide receivers. So I don't like anything here. Um, Coradell Patterson, again, Saints are very difficult. He's only 6,300. He probably could get enough work on the ground and in the air to make it worth it. So I think if I were trying to work people in, Oddly enough, my favorite options in this game are Cordell Patterson at 6,300 and Mark Ingram at 46. Yeah, this is just so, so blech. This is my, you know, divisional dogfight of the week. And again, I think it's reflected in the 41 and a half point total. I don't really see the Saints as a cover team. I was getting behind the Falcons a little bit. Matt Ryan looked like he was turning a corner, but you remove a piece like Ridley. And then Matt, you mentioned the main thing that that focus shifting to pits. I don't think they're, it's like that yet where 
Yeah, I mean, there's not many players that can. You know, Devontae Adams comes to mind as a player you can know is getting 17 targets and have him still kind of torch you. I don't think it's there for Atlanta because the run game is not great. You mentioned Patterson. Quickly, my one B there is the price because of the the snap share. They're really back to a very even share. Uh, Patterson and Mike Davis, the last three games, week five, seven, and eight, have not been separated by more than, you know, five snaps. And that – can be misleading if you're just looking at percentages. Week seven, oh, Patterson at 73% to only 60. That's only five snaps. You really got to you gotta look at the trend. And then last week, it was right back to dead even. In fact, Mike Davis out-snapped Patterson by two. But I don't see that as really out-snapped. To me, that's flat. So they keep giving Davis the ball, though Patterson looks like – clearly looks like he's the better player. The Saints' run D is phenomenal, minus 30% rush DVOA, leading the league in adjusted line yards at 3.2. 23 attempts for only 79 yards, three-and-a-half running back yards per attempt. The last two stats lead the league. So they're going to make you pass, and then the Falcons pass. Offense hasn't been great because the line is not very good. They have kept the sack total down, but you got to be careful. It's not just all out sacks, right, Matt? Pressures and hurries and knockdowns really matter. That's why I try and incorporate the PFF line grade because they do a really great job over there. Of an, it's more of an advanced stat. So when you see the Falcons with the 52.5 PFF line grade and the pass offense in general with a 2% pass DVOA because of the 6.3 yards per attempt, 9 yards per completion, those aren't any good. This one I think you got to stay away from. Yeah, I guess the Saints maybe get an ugly cover here. You know, I guess give me the Saints 23 to 10 or 21 to 10. Very hard to touch anybody on the Saints offense like you mentioned. Taysom Hill, it doesn't matter. Even if they said he was only going to get the majority, half of the use or the majority of the use, my problem at is that some of that use is going to come at the expense of Kamara, who we need everything from if you're going to pay that total because we need the 32 points. Taysom Hill in particular, I think, man, what he they get the last, what do you got, three, four games last year? So, okay, week uh, 11, 12, 13, 14 of last season. And those years, Kamara, 13 carries, no catches, 11 carries, one catch, 15 carries, two catches, 11 carries, and seven catches. Uh, two touchdowns throughout that entire span of four games. So Taysom Hill just naturally suppresses Kamara's upside. So I am not touching it because of the price. Uh, people are going to want to go after what? The Atlanta Falcons pass defense? Yeah, it's bad. They don't sack anybody. But the Saints pass offense, especially now with Hill, we don't know what we're going to get. And then, like you said, if you're getting Simeon for a couple of drives, let's say he even gets six or seven drives, the whole thing for me is a wash. I'm not touching a, a single piece of it. Like, this is a thank you, but no thank you at all. Uh, Matt, we miss anything on this one for you? One interesting thing, which I, oh. I doubt, I doubt, I highly doubt could possibly help this weekend, even though it would be hilarious <laughs> if it did. Um, the number 11, which is very interesting to me because Kyle Pitts could use himself a mirage. He could use himself a decoy. Mm-hmm. And a number 11, that is where Atlanta stands in the NFL waiver wire order. Let's see if they put themselves a bid on Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, their season is pretty it's much not a bad done. Fit. They, they, don't, they don't have anything to worry about PR-wise with uh, bringing him in. They have nothing – to worry about as far as breaking down team chemistry. They need a lightning in a bottle, and they need it immediately. Matt, I believe Odell Beckham would succeed in a Keenan Allen role, right? The sure hands, he's a good route runner. I think they'd have to adjust 
the depth of target and bring it in a little bit, right? I think Beckham's days of 75-yard touchdown streaks are over. But I do think he could be really effective around the 10 to 15, 18, 20-yard mark. With Ryan's a very good quarterback, man. If When he's protected, he puts the ball on the spot. So I, I think that's a very good fit. I actually like that. I, I really do. And if he was on a waiver wire and I had kind of a desperate team in a full PPR league, I could see scooping him up because you never, you really never know. I think Beckham needs a quarterback. You know me, Matt. I'm not a Mayfield guy. And he's hurt. They look really ugly. We'll get to the, the Browns in a minute. Uh, let's head to Dallas, where the Denver Broncos are 10-point underdogs to the Dallas Cowboys, which that, that feels pretty fair. The thing that's got me is 49-and-a-half-point total because – uh, Denver doesn't really score less than 20 points. They only run 61 plays a game, 330 yards. Those are firmly in the bottom third. They also move very slowly, right? So the Broncos are one of the slowest operating teams in the league at 29.6 seconds per play. But seconds per play does not a pace stat make. You have to combine it with the time of possession per drive. Where I don't know if you realize this, Matt, Denver is extremely efficient near the top of the board in time of possession at three minutes and 10 seconds. So when you can Combine those two things, 30 seconds per play and one of the longest drive time possession per drive, that's very hard to get to 50 just in general. Plus, they're not explosive. I'm not sure about this total. That's where my, my eye is pointed up. I think people are a little bit too in love with the Cowboy offense, which I think is very good. But I think the Bronco defense is not bad. Also, 17 points a game. Only 60 plays. I know they dished Von Miller, but I think he missed a couple games. Anyway, so they're holding opponents to only 325 yards a game, sub 70% drive success rate. Those are all the border, you know, the benchmarks for success. They've held opponents to only 100 rushing yards per game, where Dallas excels. So I think we're going to see a bit of Dallas trying to force their will with running. And I think they'll succeed because I think Zeke is an excellent play this week. And he's probably my, you know, one of my favorite places to pay up, not being into Kamara. So this one just feels like I think the spread might be fair, but I don't think they get to the total because it's going to take too long to get there. So give me Dallas, like, you know, a comfortable win, uh, 28-13, let's say. You know, and that just doesn't get you near the total, but it does get Dallas the cover. Uh, Dak is back. I think they'll pick right up where they left off. I believe C.D. Lamb came up with an injury during practice, so um, you gotta you gotta keep an eye for that. You know, he's a major he's a major player. So Matt, maybe I'm looking at Amari Cooper, and uh, you and I always try to identify our misprices. At five seven, you know, he's shown ceiling potential, right? He just dropped almost thirty against Minnesota. That would easily clear that four times bar. So I think I'm on the under, and I think I really like Cooper for a value. I agree on Cooper 100%. I mean, CD should, did show up on the injury report. Yeah. Last four weeks, he's looking at five, six, 11, and eight targets, two, four, nine, and six catches. Um, and in that span, though, he's at 13 yards, 84, then 149 and 112. He does a lot with the amount he gets. CD Lamb is a beast. He even dropped 39 fantasy points against New England in week six. The, the, the issue is with Amari Cooper is he's he's uh, being priced at was a CD Lambs at seventy two hundred Amari Cooper yeah. only at fifty seven hundred yeah tremendous eight catches on thirteen targets last week for one hundred twenty two yards and a touchdown I know that Michael Gallup's coming back but um you know with 
I mean, Amari is dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue as his own, but again, if CD lamb is going to have uh, problems with an ankle Gallup's just coming back at 5,700. I think that Amari Cooper is definitely worth taking a flyer on, even though Denver um, is very solid in their past defense. That's a lot of weapons to have to worry about if they're all healthy. Yeah. So 5,700, I love Amari Cooper. The The Dallas Cowboy, like the most is actually, um, is actually Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Um, because they are very good against the pass, the Denver defense, not so much against the run. The, the one issue is, he hasn't scored the last couple of weeks, Ezekiel Elliott. He doesn't have totally Tony Pollard that is sitting there just to suck the life um, out of uh, all fantasy value. He's just he's just sitting there pretty much absorbing about double-digit touches per game, only seven last week. Um, the week before that, uh, the four weeks before that, 11, 10, 14, and 10 rushes, which is annoying. But Zeke is obviously still the guy. Uh, going back yeah. to week three, 17, 20, 21 rushes the last two weeks, 16 and 17. So, you know, he's, he's giving you, um, again, uh, new England 17 rushes for only 69 yards, still give you 18.9 fantasy points because the last couple of weeks he saw six and nine targets, which is weird. Um, I don't necessarily expect that to keep up, but I think at the price 7,000, which isn't exactly cheap. I, I kind of like him because I think that that is how um, the Cowboys are going to move the ball more in this game. They're going to um, continue. They're going to try to have to put together long drives against this Denver defense. And I think running the ball is the way to do it. So, you know, tough sliding the last couple of weeks, only 11 points and 18.9 from a fantasy perspective before that though, 28, 23 and 26. I think he gets fed like crazy in this one. And maybe find you know he'll need to find the end zone, but again, if you're looking for that kind of return on any high end player, they're going to need to find the end zone. You might as well go with a guy with a narrative. Um, they need to run the ball. That's the way to beat the Denver Broncos, and um, he's going to get the volume needed to you know have a better chance of actually reaching the end zone. So I like Ezekiel Elliott in this one. Yeah. Um, uh, I know I went long in the Cowboys, but the the, the Broncos, I really. I don't really want anything to do with. Um, I think in season long, Albert. I can't even imagine going. Oh, just oh, the yeah, Alberto. <laughs> uh, I think in season long, I love him. I picked him up a couple spots. You know, he's going to step into the Noah Fant role because of COVID nineteen. Uh, but there's a lot of mouths to feed there. Uh, Albertos, uh, Tim Patrick's, Jerry Judy's, Corlin Sutton, who's going to be getting Trayvon Diggs. So I think I think if you want to get cute, you can go with Jerry Judy at five thousand. I think that that's a uh, good enough spot. He was respectable in his return, only um, only four targets, but did catch all four. So maybe he gets a little bit of a more of a look here. We know that he probably has the confidence of Bridgewater, and again with Cortland Sutton seeing Trayvon Diggs, I think that Jerry Judy is a is a nice value at five thousand. So on the Denver side, that's pretty much all I want because as much as I love Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon's still paying the ass, and I just can't go there because it's a true split for the time. Yep. Yeah, Javonta Williams coming in is the kind of player that I love for best balls and season longs, hoping for the second half of the season, Gordon to get dusty and Williams to get the role. Haven't seen that happen. Denver is, you know, it's very easy to kind of write that offense off. They're efficient. It's what I was talking about before. You know, they're going to play close to the line of scrimmage. They run the ball well, try and make high high percentage, you know, passes. Um, you mentioned, of course, Albert O. He's might be the highest. Uh, percentage owned player on the entire slate because he's going off at 2.6 multiplied by four. He only needs 10 points. So, you know, five for 50 or six for 40, 
you know, to pace you for 200 points, that's really where you want to be. And if he happens to stumble, you know, into the end zone, the Dallas Cowboy defense is funny. You know, they do, they get a lot of turnovers, but some of the pass stats are not great, right? So you see the negative pass DVOA. The line play has been good, but Dallas defense only has 12 sacks. They allow 38 attempts, 25 completions, 280 yards a game, and 15 fantasy points on average to the opposing tight end. So I think, you know, that's a function, I believe, Matt, of quarterbacks looking to avoid those dangerous corners and having to play it in. So, yeah, I'm going to be playing Albert O, even if it means I'm a fish because he's so cheap, and I think he can easily get to that 10 points. Very last thing on the Dallas wide receivers that I found interesting is, man, when you're comparing Lamb and Cooper, just tail of the tape, Cooper hasn't by the mile, by a mile, a country mile, as far as yak goes, right? So C.D. Lamb has 246 yards after um, yards after catch to Cooper's 110, but that's really where it ends. Target share is pretty much even, 22 to 21 in favor of Lamb. Cooper has the edge as far as air percentage, 32 to 30. And then a dot Cooper has the advantage 12 to 10 and a half. So it's not like Cooper is just short yard, um, short yard receiver. He just hasn't broken one afterwards. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to get on uh Cooper this weekend for sure. Um, yeah, let's move it on, man. Next one. Oh, real quick. Uh, there's been an update. I, I think, you know, all the, oh, good, the go, listeners go, go, go. definitely want to hear uh, news update going back to uh, my, one of my favorite games of the week, uh, Miami playing Houston and right. um, Brian Flores has just come out saying that Devonte Parker with his hamstring has had a setback and is oh. doubtful, doubtful for Sunday. Um, so, uh, I mean, I was already, I was already stacking yeah, up to a waddle and yep. Gasecki, but yep. I loved, I did like what you were saying about Parker, but now, um, you know, oh, wow. also, also some go for the mini, the mini to a waddle, uh, Gusecki stack. Yes, absolutely. And it, listen again, you know, it's not, it's okay to change your mind, but information changes the, the, my thesis was based on, you know, Parker sucking up targets with him doubtful and out. I am behind my analysis is now your analysis. Yeah. Get behind the dolphins for sure. Waddle is probably going to get 15 looks in that game. You know, same for Gusecki. He gets the full boost back out in the slot. Yeah. You got to love those, those guys this weekend. Um, Next one is, is interesting. This is one of the higher totals here. One of the only games up at, up at 50. Uh, There was another one, but after the Aaron Rodgers announcement that game actually dropped six points we'll get to that later so minnesota is six point dogs in baltimore the total is at 50 the baltimore defense has been spotty i'm assuming the league thinks that minnesota is going to be able to handle the blitz packages that's really at the center of the baltimore defense because if you see some of the passing stats man on the season really not great right they allow 38 attempts, 296 yards. That's bottom three, eight yards per attempt, and 12.3 yards per completion. That's also bottom three in the league. But that's also, like I said, a function of blitzing a lot is you make yourself vulnerable. Now, I was happy to do a little bit of research. Kirk Cousins is actually – he's actually excellent against the blitz. The Vikings line has been very good as well. They've only allowed 10 sacks with a sub-4% adjusted sack rate. Those are both top five in the league. So I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's a bit oversimplified, but I think that's the, let's call it the general thesis for the 50 point over. I'm not sure if I'm buying it. The Ravens, again, it's similar to the Broncos. They're a little bit better because they score 27 points a game, but they've moved very slowly, 29 seconds of play. 
They get 35 yards a drive, nearly three minutes time of possession, but the Ravens basically lead the league, their top two or three, in rush attempts, 30 and a half rush attempts a game, 149 rush yards a game. Again, part of that coming from uh, Lamar Jackson. So I think... You know, I think Jackson is a beautiful play here. I think he's a little bit underpriced. So you can always run Lamar naked. Like, that's fine. If you're not going to go the Jordan Love route and try and save a million bucks. Jackson, for me, Matt, at 7.3. He's on deck for a ceiling game. Vikings D really hasn't been very good. They've had difficulty defending the run in all assets of the game. They've been okay with the pass. The Ravens pass game, Matt, a lot of times is predicated on the deep throw or broken plays where I think they'll be able to succeed. They're just fine. The wide receivers as well. Curious your thoughts. Both seem a little on the price Hollywood Brown at six K. And then my boy Rashad Bateman again, I think is, is fully viable at 4,000. I'm assuming maybe people are worried a bit about um, Watkins. He did not practice at all Wednesday. He got in limited practice Thursday, so I don't know. I'm curious when you do your side, as if if you like Bateman the way I do, or if you think he needs Watkins to be out. My gut is telling me this is Lamar, and then maybe I want to come back with Jefferson again. You know, stock trading thing, man. I like to buy low, and I think he's fine. I think of him as kind of an elite wide receiver one asset. You know, he had. Nine, six, seven, and eight grabs, minimum of 80 yards, four games in a row before getting shut down by Dallas. I think he got the digs treatment a bit, but either way, two for 21 is just not the player Jefferson is. So those are the two guys that I have circled. What do you think, Matt? Oh, last thing. So I'm, I think I might be going towards the under, but I, I'm not betting it. I'm, I want to be very clear. I'm not betting it. I kind of think Minnesota and the plus six is the way to go. I think this one's more of a field goal game than a touchdown game. I think this will be the more obvious stack to some people will be going with like Lamar Hollywood and Andrews, because it's, it's really not that bad of a price 55 for Andrews, 6,000 for Brown and only seven 73 for Lamar. The issue with Lamar, who I'm a huge fan of one of the biggest fans of Lamar Jackson, love Lamar Jackson. He has played every week this year. Um, how many games without looking, would you say he has above 25 fantasy points? I, that was literally a question to you. Oh, well, I think I think Lamar has two. I think he has two ceiling games, from what I remember. But if I'm also remember correctly, I think they're north of forty, which basically makes him <laughs> yeah, a sleep breaker. They're, they're monsters. Uh, the the point being that um, in only three, in only five games, which is really only four in like a tenth of a game. Okay, uh, Tua has has two games above twenty five also. Yeah. Uh, the Minnesota defense hasn't actually been terrible. They've only allowed 16.5 fantasy points per game to uh, opposing quarterbacks. And Lamar Jackson is only 7,300. The big problem is he's only delivered on that price twice. Granted, it's monster games. Uh, and they're, they're against uh, Kansas City, who you expect to destroy, and then Indianapolis, who's nothing special. So I, I don't know. I, I don't actually see the massive value everyone else does i mean for we you look at the 45 points against indy and the 37 versus kansas city and you obviously see what can happen and at that price 
you, especially in volume, uh, you want a piece of it because it, it you can build a very respectable lineup around it easily, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you're only going with a couple, it, it seems ill-advisable to be. Again, Tua, again, not as proven, doesn't have that ceiling, hasn't proven that ceiling, is only 5,800. I think that he has the ability to go out there and do a mon- have a monster game versus Houston, not like maybe 40 points, but I think that he's right. a much safer value. So I, I still... I still stick with uh, I'd still rather stick with a Miami stack there. But again, I know okay. Lamar looks no, I'm just uh, I'm just yeah, talking about it because it seems like a good play. It's just I'm just trying to show people the math. It's like, yeah, he, he's priced that way for a reason. Um, you know, he he doesn't he hasn't really returned value a ton this year. Marquise Brown, though, I don't understand his price is six thousand, right? Because he is a, he is a favorite of uh, of of uh, of Mr. Jackson and he is facing off against Bush Bashad Breland on Minnesota who just sucks. Um, so I think, I think Brown is definitely one of my favorite plays. I probably will have him in most lineups. Uh, last couple, I mean, the last three weeks, he had 10 targets, five and 14 last week. I expect Marquise Brown to be peppered with targets and, and to come down with a monster game at only 6,000. I think Mark Andrews is fine at 5,500 too. I, I still will probably lean towards Gusecki. I, I don't think there's a big difference there as far as the targets I project seeing. And Gusecki comes in at 600 less and they have a much better um they have a bunch of better lineup, but I like Andrews there. As far as the uh, Minnesota side, Kirk Cousins, I, I never trust him. He's, he's just so up and down. Right. Uh, Justin Jefferson's great. Uh, 7,500. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily like him to return value at that price, but again, if, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going to pay up for a, uh, if you're going to pay up for a wide receiver, he's as good as any. Uh, he has he's he's returned value once on that price twenty nine point eight versus Seattle every other yeah. week not even remotely close to returning yeah. value so I probably won't pay up there because there's still uh you know Adam Thielen's still there KJ Osborne's still there and they still love to run the ball yeah. uh, speaking of which Dalvin Cook at only seventy seven hundred I guess that's okay but um, again another guy that uh, is not proven to be able to return that kind of value at Carolina in week six, he had 29 carries for 140 yards. Yes, that will get you there. Um, Still didn't get you enough, by the way, on 29 carries and 140 yards. That was actually not going to get you the return you were looking for at 7,700, ironically enough, because he he found the end zone just the one time. Again, if you're paying these prices, you need to find the end zone. And with that many talented players on Minnesota, I don't know if you can. So I'll be fading the lot of Minnesota. Okay, now question here. Excellent job on Jefferson. Yeah, you might have got me off. You might have got me off there. Because if you look at Marquise Brown's input stats I was mentioning are bananas, man. 25% target share, 35% air yards, 16 A dot. Just wow. Marquise Brown, totally underpriced there. He's yeah. the, uh, last week we called Darrell Henderson the misprint of the week. Uh, I think Marquise Brown is the misprint Agreed. of the week. This, yeah, Although it's, tough, it's tougher to be confident in wide receivers because you never know how that can go. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I'm sa- I think it's safe to say that Marquise Brown at 6,000 is a All misprint. Right. Last one on this game. I, I was wondering if you were going to bring him up because again, as I kind of progress into trying to be a more serious DFS player and you have to consider ownership at least to a certain extent. And I'm looking at the tight end position. We mentioned Albert O, right? And he, he could be fine. He could be good. He could even have a decent game. He's not a bad player. But, but you know, the ownership is going to be absolutely through the roof. So I was wondering if I could tempt you in a slight tight end pivot that's maybe as juicy 
And I'm looking at Tyler Conklin. He's only going off at 3K, which is, you know, right not too far off the 2.6, which is very tempting. But for me, 3K, I'll call a min price more or less. Like, I'm down with that. If I can get anything, we only need 12 points. Tyler Conklin, 15% target share, 11% of the air yards, 5 A dot. Now, granted, those are not the gaudy wide receiver numbers, but he is a tight end. And to the matchup side, Baltimore has really struggled. They last in the league in points allowed to the tight end at 19.5 per game, eight and a half targets, nearly 80 yards a game. Now, granted, those were some of the better tight ends, right? I think um, part of that was that Waller ceiling game, right? Yeah, it was the Waller ceiling game, but then Kelsey torched them. But Kelsey's not been torching everybody, right? Noah Fant had his way, and he's pretty good. Mo, they had a trouble with Mo Ali Cox. Jared Cook scored a touchdown, and then Uzama went off last week. And I mean, he's good, but again, these are not great tight ends. So I wonder if you think Conklin, who's been a part of the game also, like I mentioned, he's not ignored. He's part of the pass game. Do you think that's a good pivot? Do you think I'm galaxy braining, right? We had he had five for fifty-seven against Dallas. Hey, that's a really serviceable game right there. That's eleven points. Didn't you know it's one short of twelve? But you know he more or less paced you for for the two hundred points. What do you think about Conklin, Maddie? I think that at minimum price, he's he's obviously someone fine. He needs to find the end zone. Um, unfortunately, to to return the value you're probably looking for. I mean, we've seen no him get- what last week he did a five for fifty-seven. Is 11 points, one point short of 12. So, you know, it's right there. Yeah. You don't really need a touchdown. Except, I mean, that's five catches. Uh, I don't know if you can totally count on I think two or three or four is, is more like it. I, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just, um, yeah. The, the main, right. I guess the main issue for me is, uh, no, it's, it's fine. Um, for 3000, you can't go wrong. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I think it's as far as a pivot, uh, rock bottom, it's perfect. The only thing that I, I wouldn't, I'm not as excited as about like when before everyone on earth was back on Ricky seals Jones, we were like on board before everyone we liked him because of uh, the crazy usage. And he saw red zone targets. Uh, the the yeah. only thing with Conklin um, is that week eight didn't see a single target week. Six did see one um, week. Five didn't see one uh, week. Four didn't see one <laughs> uh, week. Three saw three. Uh, so, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's just, they, they don't, they don't look for him in the red zone, which is unfortunate, which is why I'm just not as excited. Um, if yeah. I see a guy like this, I almost would like, you know, I, I, I almost would ex- exchange targets for red zone targets in this one, in this one overall, but yeah. yeah, you can't, like you said, uh, I, if you like a other people, because we're always saying times four is where we want to be. If yeah. you see people that you see as a, um, like, you know, Hollywood Brown, uh, we really, really like, but if you want to spend up in other areas and you just have to save money elsewhere, sometimes you don't necessarily have to hit that times four. So yeah. like you just said, um, he can get you just shy where you want to be, which is fine. If you're confident in where you're making up the ground elsewhere. And uh, that, that could totally be the case. So yeah, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, it's not enough for me to, to uh, he's not one of those guys where I'm looking out of my way to pay down because I like his value. He's more of a guy where I'm, com- I'm fine settling for him because I'm in love with the rest of my lineup. If that happens to be the case, but I'm not building a lineup with him in it just because of the price I like. It's more like I- I'm fine settling for it. If that makes a difference, if, if that makes sense to everyone listening. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, this one, this one, I think is going to get a lot of attention. You know, that fifty point over under draws that very last thing match. Just, just you know, do you think they get to the fifty? 
Um, takes a lot. It takes a lot. Yeah, it's fifties a lot. I, I do. I think there'll okay. be a lot of scoring in this one. Yeah. Again, I, I, I don't know if I galaxy brain myself again, but I, I was falling in love with that. Uh, how good Cousins had been against the Blitz, and how the Ravens' defense is really predicated on the Blitz and getting to the quarterback. And I, you know, that's where I'm hoping um, the pathway is to get there. Yeah, the pricing is a little funny on this one. Again, people, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put these numbers out on Twitter because now I'm finding they're really, really super interesting. So the Ravens, if you want to cover, you know, if you want to pay for the money line, you say not cover. It's minus two seventy five for only six points. That means it's costing more than forty four dollars a point. No, you you go for the spread. And the flip side, this is a perfect one, Maddie. Is the Vikings. It's again, it's plus six, but remember, it's not always the same because it's plus 220. So you always got to just do the simple math. That one you're being offered, right? Because it's in reverse, you're being offered $35 a point to go with the Vikings. So you can go with that one as well. But in these cases, I also advise people that maybe I, I don't like when better when touts and handicappers use the word sprinkle, like, oh, I sprinkle, I sprinkle, because it sounds nebulous. It's almost like they're trying to get away from it. I like to be, you know, pretty specific where I might go three quarters of the bet on the spread, one quarter of the bet on the money line. You know, I like to play around with the math also, the age of internet betting, you get to do that. You know, meaning if I'm betting, if I had a hundred dollars for this game, maybe I'm putting 75 on the plus six and maybe I'm putting 25 on the plus 220, you know, where you can hit them both and you want to make it. So if you hit one or of two, you're at least going to profit. All right, let's move on. Um, finally one, I'm in total disagreement with the market. Generally this happens two or three times and it's been the reason I've been pretty, doing pretty well so far betting it's AFC North time, Cleveland Browns going to Cincy plus two and a half point dog. So the Browns are underdogs on the road with a 47 point total in Cincy. I I don't think this one is nearly that close. I think people are punishing the Bengals for what they saw against the Jets it just caught them by surprise. The Bengals were not able to close early in the red zone, Matt. They let the Jets hang around. And then the Jets had the correct game plan to beat these Bengals. The Bengals are pretty strong up front on the defensive line. You see that reflected in the minus 18% rush DVOA, 3.36 adjusted line yards. They're very tough against the run, less than four running back yards per attempt. So what the Jets did was spread the run game out to the outside. Outside, they were allowing, they were actually allowing the pressure in and then getting the ball out. And we saw that, you know, Jets, I, I don't want to look without looking, they probably completed more than 15 passes to the running backs. I think Carter had nine, and Ty Johnson might have had another six or seven. So that you know, the Browns could look to do that. We don't usually see Nick Chubb catching many passes. So that's really not the Browns' strength here. Mayfield's hurt. The pass offense for the Browns is atrocious. They've allowed 23 sacks. Meanwhile, the Bengals have 21 sacks. Mayfield's going to be running for his life. The Browns with a 9% adjusted sack rate, 30 attempts, only 
20 completions a game, 220 yards. I think the Bengals bounce back in a monster fashion here. I don't think this one is a two-and-a-half-point game. I think this one is like a five-and-a-half or a six-point game. Just give me the Bengals with the full bounce back. We have seen the Browns' D play well. So I don't think I have the Bengals scoring 100 points here. Again, we mentioned drive. The Browns move very slowly, 30 seconds a play. The Bengals move very slowly, 30 seconds a play. This should be the slowest pace game. And again, their strong line play. So I don't think they, I don't think they get to the 47. But I think the, the, the spread is a little too far. And again, at only $12, just give me the Bengals all day. $12 a point, I should say. I want the Bengals all day, though I'm not sure if I have any players going. Because, I, again, the pace and the defense is here. The thing I like is the Bengals to win this one and cover up the three points. But I'm not really – I don't really have much DFS exposure. What do you like here, Matt? Um, yeah, I, I, think I, I think I tend to agree with you because – uh, the Bengals are a team you want to, if you want to beat them, you want to beat them on the ground, which would scream Nick Chubb to most people, except I, like you said, you don't, you don't have the, the floor of getting his work through the air and, um, and, and with him just coming back and Dearness Johnson looking so good, who's to say that Johnson won't get some work in this one. Uh, you know, a week, week eight versus Pittsburgh Chubb 16 for 61, only 7.9 fantasy points. So, you know, it wasn't the 21 carries that you saw versus the Chargers versus Minnesota in weeks four and five, the 22 carries you saw in week three versus Chicago. So I I think without the work through the air and with any unnecessary work uh, workload on the ground, I don't know if I necessarily want to go Chubb's direction, but with it being yeah. his second week back, it's possible. At 6,700, that's that's damn cheap. So I can't write him off. Yeah. I'm just not excited about by it. By talent, yeah. If you're pricing yeah. by talent, yeah. And, and Baker Mayfield is, you know, they, they don't have, not that having Beckham gone is a big deal, but Beckham is gone. And Mayfield's a little banged up. They're probably going to lean on the running game a little more. So I, I, I think that he's fine for cash. He'll get the work. Um, for GPP, I don't think I see an explosion coming. Uh, famous last words, Nick Chubb's amazing, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. go there. Joe Burrow, I, I do absolutely love. Um, I don't really know what to make of the Browns defense. Um, I mean, they they look like they get exposed against better offenses. Uh, you know, you know, um, Herbert and Kyler kind of carve them up. Um, and then, you know, they step up versus kind of inferior opposition. So I think that Joe Burrow is definitely, um, you know, I would put him at the top there because I, I definitely believe in him. Uh, you know, for the entire season, he's he's been pretty rock solid after a slow start of only 261 passing yards, 201, 172. Um, starting week four, he had 348, 281, 271, 416 before putting up only 259 against that weird loss to the Jets. Uh, in New York. So I would say that he bounces back in this one. He has a ton of weapons, but I don't know if I want to pair him with any of them because Jamar Chase looks like he's fine last week. Only three catches on nine um, targets, 32 yards, did find the end zone. T Higgins was great, who we were um, all all over last week 97 yards on six targets would have been great if he could find the end zone in that one tyler boyd did find the end zone but that was the only thing that saved his day if fit 5000 i'll be ignoring him too so uh t higgins again i think i like him as a standalone of 5300 it's just uh 
he's much better than $300 better than Boyd. And yep. um, I don't think he's anywhere near the difference between 7,600 and 5,300 between him and Chase. So I like Higgins as a standalone. I don't think I really necessarily want to pair him with Burrow, um, but uh, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think that the, I would bet the under in this one. And uh, oh, yeah, good that, point. Hold on. Good point. Yeah. 47. Or, you know, Matt, we've been talking about this all year. You nailed the on the big under last week, but it's predicated on the same thing, man. The division, it's running teams. They move slowly. This one feels like it should be 43, not 47. I'm way under this one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I like I like Higgins just as a value standpoint. But other than that, I'm not uh, – I am I don't like this too much because I don't expect there to be many, many, uh, many touchdowns scored. Yeah, that's it's that's a great point. There's nothing wrong with that. It's funny. That's one of the few kind of narrative. I'm doing air quotes in my home now. One of the few narrative plays that I do pursue, and it's division games, and that's what I mean. It's not really a, so much as like it's not a fake narrative. They see each other constantly. They have histories, you know, and they're studying these things. And again, it's line play. This one's going to be running. I did want to highlight the T Higgins love. It's it, it, this is another firm misprice for me. And maybe we're piecing it together. I think he's just been punished not having the yards after catch, right? So Chase, it, I mean, boy, that's been Boyd's claim to fame. He, Boyd has 200 yards after catch. Would you believe I told you that Higgins only has 97? But, but, man, those input stats that I love, that triple slash for Higgins, Matt, it's jumping off the page. 25% of targets is more than chase 33 percent of the air yards is less than chase but it's way more than anybody else and he has an a dot up at 10 and a half the only other player on the team with a double digit a dot you got to like higgins in general i've just kind of been avoiding the uh the browns defense although they have gotten touched up by number ones. And you mentioned that um, quality offenses. I wanted to expand that. I think it's dynamic receivers. So if I mean, there probably is a spot for chase. I don't know if you've seen this, the Browns are allowing 21 fantasy points a game to quarterbacks. That's in the bottom five or so. They're also allowing more than 90 yards receiving to the number one wide out. Uh, that's bottom three in the league. They've been very good elsewhere. The linebacking crew there is really good in Cleveland. They're very good up front. Um, you got anything, any last things to add on that, Matt? You dig what I'm feeling? So, like, I like I like Cincinnati to win. I like Cincinnati to cover. And I like the under, and I feel pretty strongly there. Yep, I like it. Yeah. All right, cool. Next up, why don't you lead us off in this one? Um, the Raiders, three-point favorites to meet the Giants. I always feel like whenever I see a 46 total over under, they just didn't know what to do with it. These teams are uh, you know, I watch all of these games, Matt. Obviously, we're crunching the stats every week. These are two of the more enigmatic teams, right? They are a bit mysterious. The Giants carrying the label of being a doormat. I'm not sure if they are. I want your take on that. And then the Raiders, it's been really up and down. It really up and down. Very hard. I'm curious just what you think about this one. When I am this unsure, I generally avoid. But I'm really curious your take here. I like the over, first of all. Um, I, I think these are just, uh, what are these, in boxing. It doesn't matter how good the boxers are. You just want an evenly matched, you just want an evenly matched fight. That's where the action comes in, I think. Uh, you know, maybe that sounds like a slap in the face to Vegas. Uh, you probably may be hoping for better than that. But I think 
this is a somewhat um, evenly matched game with Derek Carr and Daniel Jones shouldn't have too big of a problem against the opposing defense. And they're both armed with, um, you know, a decent amount of weapons. Obviously, Henry Ruggs won't be joining us for this one. Uh, but Henry Renfro, uh, Brian Edwards, even though, he, you know, he's going to get James Bradbury, I think he's someone who can get a tick up for the rest of the year. But obviously, they still have uh, Josh Jacobs and, more importantly, Darren Waller. On the giant side, Daniel Jones, I always like his floor because of the rushing possibilities, even though he, he you never know what to expect from, from week to week. Devontae Booker, I think, is someone that – uh, gets overlooked as long as Saquon Barkley. We'll have to see. He, he looks like the COVID thing. He had a false positive. Um, so we'll see how his ankle tests out. So you want to see how that's going. But at 5,900, I think Booker is sneaky enough. Uh, not my favorite target, but someone I'm not shying away from. Kadarius Toney, uh, only 5,200. Uh, Darius Slayton, only 4,800, which I really, really love. Everyone is going to be on uh, Tony probably at that price. But I think if you want to throw a dart, Darius Slayton for um, – for $400 less is, is, is great also. So I think that I would be fine kind of going any direction in this game. As far as if you wanted to cherry pick, I'm not confident enough to stack any of them. And truth be told, I'm not starting any of them. So okay. I don't know if that makes me a hypocrite. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think this is like, I can see the value coming from anywhere. And basically the only thing I, I like the over because I don't see a brick wall anywhere. I think there's a chance for every offensive player to do damage. And if I see that, I think over. Uh, so I'm not going to be betting uh, on any individual player because I, I literally think the production can come from any Avenue this game, but I'm pretty happy in taking the over on 46. Oh, man, this is this one has just got me scratching. All right, again, that's generally where I avoid. But again, I I, I got drop. Let's drop just a bit of nuance. Answer me this. Riddle me this, Batman. Riddle me this. The Raiders right now are you know I mean one of the top passing teams in the league, right? So they're top of the board. You know, top five in attempts and completions, thirty eight and twenty six. They're number one in pass yards per game at three oh eight. They're firmly in the top third in yards per attempt at eight, yards per completion at 12. Those are all really strong numbers, okay? Mm -hmm. Top passing team by yardage in the league. They don't have a single wide receiver that costs more than $5,000 in DraftKings money this weekend. There has to be something there. No, I mean, the giant pass D... It's, I mean, the Giants, first of all, the front line is not very good, right? They've gotten pushed around by the run game. The line play is not good on either side. So they're allowing four and three quarters adjusted line yards to the run. And they have a 66 line grade for PFF as far as pass rush goes. They have gotten to the quarterback. But again, people, sacks, I had, I'm telling you, I walked enough this tape that you can't just go by sack number. People that are defining the pass rush by the sack number are misleading. They're missing context. You got to go with hurries and pressures. It all that stuff really matters. Knockdowns that might matter more than anything. Giants D allowing 37 attempts, 25 completions. They have kept it close. It's been hard to take the top off this defense. Okay. All that being said, Matt, sub 5,000 for the number one wideout. Renfro just had seven for 58. That would pay the bills. You know, that'll do it. You got Waller at the 23% target, 23% air, and 10% A dot. Is he the easy answer here? Renfro, his triple slash, not bad. 21% target, 15% air, but the A dot is low. But now, doesn't that kind of play into what I was just saying? The Giants surrender a lot of completions without getting beat 
deep. I think there's going to be a lot of people trying to figure out Renfro versus Edwards. Now, Edwards, real quick, the targets have not been great. Only 12.5% of the target share when he's playing. But he does have the 19% air yards and 15 A dot. So I think we have to kind of decide, is it going to be more of a possession-style game for these Raiders, which we know are not shy to throw, where you see Renfro? And I feel like I'm almost talking myself into this guy right now. I was kind of looking for a cheaper flex option. He's, you know, at sub-5,000, like I said, 4.8. Man, top pass defense, uh, pass top, pass top, uh, pass top pass offense. How's that for a tongue twister? And again, the Giants offense been a bit, it's been enigmatic. That's just the whole thing. They've struggled with running because they're missing Barkley. They struggled with passing because they keep missing all their big pieces. But you make great points about Tony. I mean, he's going to get looks. Same thing for Slayton. This one almost feels like you have to go like a full game stack or abandon it at all. Like it's either going to be 10 to three or like 41 to 38. And it's just killing me because of those passing stats and the price of the wideouts. I don't want to get burned on this one, man. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying earlier that I like the over. Cause I think there'll be points. I just, I'm avoiding the game. Cause I don't know where they're come from. I got to say, I, I do like Hunter Renfro of 4,800. I, I do think you made a lot of good points on him being overlooked because I mean, he, he gets, for the most part, he's like, I mean, three of the last four weeks, he's at eight targets. And with rugs out, you think that that would have to increase. And even though you don't see any impressive, um, you don't see a ton of impressive uh, fantasy points over, you know, the last five games, 12.8, 6.6, 11.6, 16.5. And then he did have 18.7 versus Miami. He's tied for the lead, the team lead in red zone targets with Darren Waller. Um, so I like that. That I mean, it's only is only resulted in two touchdowns for the year. But if you're again, you're taking away rugs and you're going to be scoring some points in a game. He he is getting as many looks as Waller. So if, at the price and at the targets, I think that uh, Waller is. Um, I mean, Waller is always a good play, but I think Renfro, like you said, at forty eight hundred is a is a nice play for that cheap. Yeah, I was tracking the the Waller injury, and now he's not even on the injury report. So, unfortunately, I think we've used our last island of Foster Moreau thing. Which, dude, you dropped that one, and now I think I've said it every day on the show this week. I think I, I think I literally went five for five with the one just now. I just can't get enough of that. I really can't. But if Waller is playing, obviously Moreau is out, and he could be the easy answer as well. But you again, if you're going to get the 380 passing yards, you're going to need more than just the tight end. So, yeah, so does that mean – so, again, if you're into the overs, I'd love to keep pressing you here because even if we don't get a direct answer, I like to leave people mad. I say it all the time, right, with a feather in their cap, a lesson for them going forward. So in a game that you clearly like the over, are you considering the quarterbacks naked then in that case? Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, Only if there's – well, maybe Daniel Jones. I want the rushing – I want some rushing possibilities here. So I could go with Daniel Jones because he has some home run hitters he can hit. Um, and then if, if you if you combine home runs with wheels on the ground, uh, anything is possible in a GPP. So I'll go there. Derek Carr, though, he'd have to really, really put it on the Giants for for him to be um, someone I'd want to invest in. And when, I think without uh, without his big home run hitter there uh, that I don't want I don't want to pair, you know, because with the Raiders, we're thinking they're dinking and dunking their way down the the, the field. And that could that could easily go badly. Whereas yeah. Daniel Jones, he could he could he could be having a slow game and he could turn it around in a little in a matter of five minutes. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm scratching here. I think my last question on um, Jones is 
Are you? I, we we talk about him with the rushing. I okay. I shouldn't have said we talk about him rushing upside. His rushing upside exists. But are you worried about the usage? Is just not just not been there. He's only topped forty yards one time the entire year. Now, granted, it was a ceiling game on the ground, nine for ninety-five and one, but one single touchdown aside that that was week one. If you look at the game log, the last six, last six out there, and the reason I mention it, I'm not really just a game log hawker, but the reason I say it is there's a mixture of game scripts here. A close one versus Atlanta. He ran but wasn't productive. Close one with New Orleans. Didn't really run. He passed. He was effective. Against Dallas, they didn't do anything. He got hurt. The Rams, he didn't run at all. We thought down a ton, right, later on is when you think he's going to run. Carolina, same thing. Up a ton. He they were up a ton, and you didn't get any running. I I don't know, man. I'm I'm afraid this chasing Daniel Jones. Not that you were doing that, but I'm afraid it's like us, us seeing Daniel Jones as the quarterback that could put up the dual stat lines. I'm not sure I'm there anymore with him. You know, the thing is, like I said, I was fading this whole game, and then you're like, man, you're forcing me to pick a quarterback. I picked one of them. <laughs> no, and no, now no, you're no. Bear, you're burying me for like <laughs> picking a guy I didn't want to pick. No, yeah, no. I don't. I'm not picking anybody in this game. It's just a matter of. Daniel Jones at least has the ability to run. Whereas Derek Carr, like two rushes for a yard, two rushes for minus one yard. Like he literally can't. So yeah, I don't want Daniel Jones. No, I I was just trying to get to whether or not you thought, oh, let's I shouldn't have put you. I should have said the market. Do you think the market is overplaying the rushing? How about that? Matt, Matt, do you want any of those guys? No. If you had to pick which one, Jones. Well, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I think I think I had a good question with if you're over, are you into the naked quarterbacks? And when you said no, I should have left it at that. I just can't believe the Raiders are good for 308 pantheons a game. It's really this is beyond me. It's beyond me, uh, and it's probably you know it's, I'm getting my medicine because going into best ball season, I kind of planted my flag right. Even with all the mass entries I did, you kind of plant your flag with a few places where you don't think anything is going to happen. And Las Vegas and New York were literally my two teams that I said, these guys, these teams are not doing anything on offense, and I just have zero exposure anywhere, aside from Brian Edwards, who we were told is Terrell Owens. Uh, and he's not. Um, okay, let's go next, man. So, Chargers and Eagles. Uh, again, this was one of my favorite, like, capping. Again, it's not really narratives as maybe just statements in. I think people overreact to recency, and the Chargers are two-point favorites in Philadelphia. So I think the Chargers are not as bad as what we just saw, and I don't think the Eagles are as good as what we just saw when they beat up on Detroit. I, I, maybe I'm stepping on the rake here, Matt. I have taken my L's going after the Chargers, but this one doesn't feel like a two-point game. I just think the Chargers are, 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 too, are too good for that, and I'm going to probably be all over Austin Eckler in this one. He's my favorite pay-up option at running back. Chargers have just been – they've been good. You know, they 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 get so much attention that I think the mistakes sometimes are magnified, let's say, and I, I don't think they're that bad. They got beat up by Baltimore. Then it was a close one at New England, but Belichick did a good job game planning. Also, Herbert was a bit ugly. He missed a couple throws that maybe he shouldn't have. So what do you think? We got a 49.5-point total and two-point Charger favorite. So I guess the first question is, do you see this one as close as two points, and do you think we get to the 50-point shootout? Um, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't bet on the, uh, I just wouldn't bet on the over under because I don't know what to expect from Jalen hurts at any time. If anything, um, 
and plus I think the chargers could carry a, a good bit of the 50 points themselves. Um, so I, even though I could bet the under from the Eagles, I think the Eagles could be so bad that the, the chargers could get the total there. Um, you know, almost on their own end. Uh, I'm not taking any Eagles. I think I've, I've had enough of the Eagles show for now. Uh, Jalen hurts is, is <laughs> so up and down. I mean, you were right about him. I, I gave you credit during the week. You're right about him. Uh, so I, and, and now the, the backfield with Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, and the ghost of Kenneth Gainwell, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I want any of that either. Um, Devontae Smith is too tied to the success of Jalen hurts. I don't want any of that. Even, even, even Dallas Cotter. I just, no, thank you. I think, um, the, the, sm- one of the smartest bets of the weekend is betting the chargers to cover, um, that I think that's an easy one. Yeah. yeah I um, like that one too. Herbert is really good. This isn't necessarily a spot to bet him in because he's coming in at 7,000 and this is probably going to be a, this is probably going to be a, um, a running game for the most part for the chargers. That's an easy way to beat the Eagles. So, I mean, that is your best way to get ahead and your best way to burn the clock. So, I mean, I think this, like you said, Austin Eckler is probably one of your better options the entire weekend. If you want to pay up at running back, uh, but you know that will be um, well-known information, <laughs> so yeah. uh, it, you won't be getting ahead of anyone on that. But you know it's that way for a reason. I like Eckler. Uh, the wide yeah. receivers here, um, you know, I I I always say never ever sit Keenan Allen uh, in in regular season. That finally ended up paying off. I think that yeah. he's fine at sixty-seven hundred. Mike Williams is still priced too high at seventy-one hundred because he's. He's fallen back to the pack rather heavily recently. So I don't think I want to bet those two either. I think uh, the only thing I really want in this game from a DFS standpoint is Austin Eckler because even at 7,900, which, you know, that's a lot, you know, you need, you need to get to, you know, North of 30, which he's done a couple of times versus Vegas versus Cleveland, which is, you know, that's, that's, that's impressive. Um, And, you know, even against new England last week, he did get 24.4. So, I think that uh, you know, outside of Baltimore and Week One versus Washington, he's pretty much squared up to go. So I think that uh, Eckler, between just upside ceiling and garbage time possibilities, uh, yeah. he uh, he should be uh, garbage time. I should say, putting the game away. I like him, but th- that's it. That's about it. Yeah, I, I think you nailed this one. I I have a couple L's to take. You know, I was super high on on Herbert. And he's not been bad, but we we've seen a little bit of of regression lately. It seems with um, creative blitz packaging in general. Baltimore, New England, the last two weeks—that's what they're really good at. Yeah, he he struggled. He struggled bad, and the passes have been—it's been ugly. Uh, you know, again, I'm watching it. It's been ugly. They have been close, but I still don't think this is a two point game. The Eagles are—they're are, bad, and I've been betting the Eagles. Also, I've been betting the Eagles because you know I like to bet underdogs. And I just think they've been closer to 50-50 in some of the games they've been underdogs. This is not one of them. Gosh, Matt, you were really, really right about Jalen Hurts coming into the year. It's funny. I also get like a W. I get like an asterisk W because I was saying that I did think Hurts was a QB1 as far as fantasy. And I don't think we can argue that, right? That was correct. He always seems to find his way in, but it's the worst, the most ugliest 20 fantasy points you could possibly ask for. You also mentioned a quarterback that we could be talking about getting benched by the double-digit weeks, and it's right here. Like, we're right on the verge. We really are. Like They won that game against Detroit in dominating fashion, 
and Hertz had nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with it. He had 100 yards through the air. He had 71 yards on the ground. Now, granted, some of those runs were pretty impressive. He looked really good. It kind of looked like Randall Cunningham out there. He gets, he has a second year where he does this like high stepping thing. He's super exciting. Hertz is super exciting. He's an you know A1 elite athlete. He is he's phenomenal as far as that goes. But there's a bit of work to be done as far as the pass game. Uh, Maddie, he gets some kind of happy feet. And then he kind of makes poor decisions, and then the accuracy is not there. So that's a pretty bad combination. Chargers defense pretty good at defending the pass. Again, people be careful with some of the season stats. They're a function of them being ahead in a couple games. But the PFF line grade is like top three in the league. They also get sacks. Now, granted, Hurts may be tough to sack, but if you push the young gun off his spot, that's when you know he makes his mistakes. So I do think we're going to see a turnover or two from Hertz. That might be an interesting prop play. I think I'm off the Devontae Smith train, something I thought was going to be awesome, like just an awesome hookup all year. That really has not been the case. We had a little glimpse, you know, in week one, and then a little glimpse against KC, and then that's really been it. Even when he gets a little bit of volume, they're struggling around the end zone. You mentioned one name that I am interested in on the Philadelphia side, and it's it's Dallas Goddard. Um, Watching the game, again, he was the focal point of the pass offense. And if you look at those kind of input stats I was talking about, 16.5% target share, 18% air percentage, and a near 9A dot, you know, he checks a lot of boxes for a tight end. And again, if you're looking to just pivot against the super high, you know, Albert O play that's going to be going on, he's still pretty cheap. I think Goddard might be listed at 4.5. So that's, you know, 4.5 for a guy who could lead a team in targets, in a game we think will be behind. I, I think Goddard is, and he's a red zone target. So I, I think Goddard is a acceptable play. I've been having trouble getting behind anyone on LA except for Eckler. So yeah, give me Eckler. Give me his combined, give me his combined total prop play. You know, give me the charges to cover. Give me the charges to win. And I think I'm under in this one because even if the charges do get to 30, I don't know if the Eagles get to 20 and I'm not sure if the charges get to 30 in this one at all. You got I know, Goddard, Goddard seems to be a, uh, or, I'm sorry. Uh, hurts. He he seems to be a garbage time uh, artist. Oh so yes. I, I I think I mean I think this is a is there such a backdoor uh, over <laughs> Gar- <laughs> a little garbage time over here. Yeah. I, I I could see it. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I yeah. I I I, the, I think I said in the very beginning of this. I uh, I'm most confident in just betting the Chargers to cover because I think that's for sure. Yeah, I have that circled like double. I have that one double circled. I I'm. I'm a little surprised. And again, I, I have been known, Matt, to buck CLV. I know that you, again, I don't want to speak for you, but I know that you are you also don't mind buck CLV because we have a lot of confidence in our own work. Last weekend, I went against CLV, right? The line was moving away away from the Chargers and the line was moving away from the Buccaneers. I took the Chargers and the Bucks, parlayed them, and they both lost. So CLV is not our friend this week, but I'm not buying the Eagles. And then again, if you're doing the math, this is a good one for math also. It's minus 110 plus two, but it's even money for the money line. So obviously they're offering you points. Remember when you're the dog, you're being offered the points at $5 a point. You take those because the the Eagles could just lose by one and you'll win. You know, there's no reason to take that one. Any last bits on Chargers Eagles? Nope. Moving on. Okay, we got two left, right? Two left on the Sunday main. It's Packers and it's Chiefs. I should say your Packers, Matt. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers is out with COVID-19. All the rest of the weapons, I believe, I believe everyone else is back. I think you might even be looking at getting back those kind of secondary weapons. Yes, more uh, Valdez Scantling not even on the injury report here, I see. So I think he's good. I think he's good to go. Uh, so it's all your weapons except for the guy at the helm here. We know the Chiefs defense has really struggled. 27 and a half points a game, nearly 400 yards a game, six and a half yards per play. That last one is worst in the league. The 39.3 yards per drive they allow, worst in the league. A nearly 78% drive success rate, nearly worst in the league. The defensive line is terrible. They've only gotten 11 sacks. They're allowing 12 yards per completion, 4.6 adjusted line yards. So there's like some bottom three stats across all facets of the defensive game. But Jordan Love. I, I, I don't know much about him. I generally don't look to start rookie quarterbacks. I generally look to bet against rookie quarterbacks. So the line moved from, I think, two or one to seven and a half. And the total moved from 54 down to 49. This one's all you, man. I don't know. The Packer defense hasn't been great. So I think it's all systems go for like Tyreek Hill. I might even want some Darrell Williams action. Packers run D hasn't been great. And I think his usage will pop back. I'm not really worried about Gore. But this one feels ugly. And I think I think a lot of fish are going to be chewing up Jordan Love. In, and I'm not sure I can get there. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, people will get behind Jordan Love for no other reason than he's 4,400. I think he'll right. surprise people. The Chiefs still blow. And during week one, when Jordan Love got in, he was he did complete five of seven passes for 68 yards. I think he'll be fine, except I think the way Matt LaFleur wants to run the offense, which is why he ran a draft Jordan Love to begin with, is he wants to do some play action, which he does with Aaron Rodgers anyway. But Jordan Love can run. Um, I think that this will be a running game. I think that he'll take advantage of the slot. I think he'll take advantage of dump-off passes. So I think A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones will both be involved. Randall Cobb will probably have himself a game. So I, I I wouldn't pay up for Jordan Love because I think it'll be a uh, controlling the clock thing. Keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands is as poor as he's been. The Packers' defense is actually solid, except um, it's banged up. You can run on them. They're still missing Jair Alexander, so they don't have anyone that can necessarily match up with Tyreek Hill. So I like him, like you mentioned, as a standalone because I don't think there's anyone on the Packers' defense right now with Alexander gone that can necessarily shut him down. He's just too fast. So I think that, you know, he, a couple of big, um, couple of big plays and he's paid for himself. I like Tyree kill even at 7,900. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot. You have to pay up for him, but I think that he can get there. Um, I don't know necessarily about Mahomes because I, I was already worried about this game even before Rogers went out just because I, you know, there's only so many games. I think Mahomes is going to be bad before he's going to be good. And this game's at home at Kansas city, the Packers defense, like I said, really banged up. So and the the Packers defense can't really stop the run. So I think that um, the game script may take Mahomes out of this as far as his ceiling. So at 7,800, I probably won't be stacking anything, especially with Travis Kelsey being so damn expensive at 7,000. Um, not saying he's bad play. Uh, I just won't be playing him. He could easily pay for himself also. Uh, the Packers love giving up stuff over the middle of the field. So I'm sure he'll have a decent game as well. Terrell Williams and Derek Gore. I'm not really sure. Uh, Gore came out of freaking. If you knew about Derek Gore last week, then you're a liar. Um, <laughs> no, that, I mean, no offense to anyone who's claiming to have, but you're a liar. Uh, I think I think that you can play either of them because there'll be enough work. But again, Sands finding the end zone. I don't know if they'll split work, which they may. Yeah, I don't want to go there either. So in a game where anything could happen, um, 
on the Chiefs side, I really only want Tariq Hill because he's a fascinating guy. I think McCole Hardman's not a bad pick either at 3,900 because, again, one home run ball, which I'm sure he'll get, is is enough for him to uh, to borderline pay for himself. On the Packers side, I'm not uh, – I know I went over this a little bit. Jordan Love, I'm not going over. Um, I'm not really I, – I know I mentioned uh, Randall Cobb because I think they may go low eight out here but I'm not going there either. I think the running backs are the guys to own. I think Aaron Jones, certainly he'll get plenty of work on the ground versus the chiefs defense. He'll get plenty of work in the air. Uh, you know, the, the chiefs will know this, but I'm not sure they're talented enough to make a difference. So I, I think Aaron Jones is great at 7,200. I think he's a little underpriced to be honest. So I, he's, he'll probably be in my lineups across the board. And I think AJ Dillon will get a ton of work as well, except not as much as people are hoping for because uh, the Packers are probably gonna be playing from behind a bit. Uh, so while I don't mind him necessarily at 4,600, I, I don't think that he's necessarily a great play. So um, I said a lot of words, and the only really actionable information is I like Aaron Jones and I like Tyreek Hill. <laughs> yeah, well, with, with good reason. I'm, I'm worried about – I just worry about the offense because, again, we, don't, we just don't know how it's going to look. It's easy to say um, – They'll try and rely on Jones, but you could see the extra defender. And that's where I tend to lean on something like your Cobb play. Now, again, I don't play enough lineups where I'm getting to a guy like that. But I do think he makes for an interesting prop guy. And I think he makes for an interesting, like, jock market player if you're doing stuff like that. Like, you know, if you're into any of those prop games, I think is interesting. We saw that with Mike White and the Jets, right? When you get the rookie QB come in, we're going to be looking to kind of keep it close to the line of scrimmage. Again, Joe, Aaron Jones will demand enough attention. He should get some openings for the slot receiver. So, yeah, I'm with you there. I think if you have three to five lineups, I think it's hard not to run Love out once. Again, he's going to touch the ball, you know, 50 times or whatever. And at 4.4 for a quarterback to only need 17, especially if he could run a little bit. Gosh, I mean, if a, if a quarterback, if you knew a running a quarterback could run for 45 yards, let's say, it's almost hard not to get to 12 fantasy points through the air, you know? So I, I think, uh, I guess love is viable. You know, I like your plays. I'm going to have to dig in a little bit deeper. I mean, Hill, the Terry Hill usage has just been like totally crazy. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't get to Kelsey, but I mentioned Matt, I'd like to buy low. I mean, could you buy any lower on a better player here? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think so. Sorry. Yeah, it's just um every week everyone's expecting them to bounce back, and it just never happens. <laughs> Ever. Uh I again this week as a Packers fan, I'm still very worried. Uh, so again, I'm keep expecting it to happen. I wonder if there's just something, I don't know. What is there something, are we going to find out there's been something wrong with Mahomes this entire time? You know, maybe he got, he got wrecked really early in the season a couple of times. And maybe there's just, I mean, is there something off here? I was, it, you, I actually thought the injury might've been Kelsey and not Mahomes. Frankly, I, I, again, I hate this sound. So it almost sounds like arrogant, but like I watched them and okay. So chiefs offense, if I were to tell you the chiefs offense, you know, leads the league and plays run per game. They're top five in yards per game. They're top, you know, eight in yards per play. They're number one in yards per drive. They're number three in time of possession per drive. They're number one in drive success rate. They're number one in pass attempts, number one in completions, number five in pass yards, number five in pass touchdowns a game. I mean, the, the Chiefs offense is fine. He just keeps doing this ridiculous stuff inside the 10. And when he's Mahomes, I'm speaking about, when Mahomes is not making mistakes, Tariq Hill is. I think Hill has two 
Uh, if uh, and we don't have a name for them, but if we were to assign interceptions to the wideout, he'd have at least two of those. They're bouncing off his hands inside the five-yard line. So I just tend to think the Chiefs are fine. I think Mahomes maybe has to re rein it in a touch. I think he's worried about the, the defense. I think he's assuming the defense is going to give up two touchdowns every drive, and he feels like he has to do more than he should. I think they'll correct course. The Kelsey thing has been a little bit weird. The double-digit targets three of the last four weeks, what you expect, but they haven't been high quality, and he hasn't just he hasn't looked good with the ball in his hands. Like, he kind of looks dusty when he catches it. Not that I think he got old overnight, but I'm worried about Kelsey. I'm worried about Mahomes. I'm not queuing up any of these guys, even with all the underlying stats I'm talking about. And I guess that'll be at my own detriment, except for Tyree Kill, like I meant, because of that that usage is just crazy. 29% target share, 38% of the air yards, and the double-digit A dot. I mean, man, Hill, Hill does it all. So I, I'm not sure so sure about the Packers as I think I am with Hill. You got anything left on this one, Pat? No. Um I'm far more interested. I'm, this is actually one of the most interesting games of the whole weekend, just because it's probably because I'm a Packers fan. I want to see how Jordan Love looks. Uh, it should be, and we want to see if Mahomes can bounce back. So there's a ton of interest here, but um, so much up in the air to put your money on anything. Uh, the only thing for sure, uh, I think, is Aaron Jones. I think that uh, he will be getting a ton of work. He always sees a ton of touches, a ton of targets. And Jordan Love is definitely going to be wanting to dump the ball off no matter how much Kansas City wants to key in on him. They're not going to be able to do much as far as stopping the volume. Um, he'll need to find the end zone to pay off, but I don't think that the, the Chiefs defense by any means is good enough to ever blank anyone regardless of game script or yeah. circumstance. So, um, you know, I could be wrong here. I mean, we'll see how Jordan Love goes through an entire game. Uh, hopefully he doesn't taste him, hill it up. You obviously don't like pass catching backs with mobile quarterbacks but you know other than cam newton and christian mccaffrey sometimes it doesn't work out okay uh we'll see how they run the dynamic together i think it'll be okay um I, i'm expecting better things from james the, from jordan love than a lot of people in this one um not just because of his price but just overall i think he'll run the game well i don't think that necessarily leads to dramatic fantasy value so which, that's not why i'm in on him but yeah eh, you know this game could get ugly what about the seven and a half i think the packers keeping the touchdown uh, I abstain. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's really tough. I mean, I, I, could, see the, built... I, could, I could see the Packers just winning this one and laughing it off. Oh, my um, goodness. That'd be I, crazy. I, no, I mean, you can. That's how bad the Chiefs have been. Yeah, I mean, let's, th let's face it. With or without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers can score on the Chiefs. It's just a matter of is if Mahomes is back, you know, he's at, he's at home. This, like I already said, no Jair Alexander. I mean, the script is there. If he if he can't blow the doors off of this Green Bay defense, their season's over. Um, so if I had to bet my heart, I would say that the Chiefs are uh, – Pat Mahomes is about to have himself a day. <laughs> so I wouldn't bet this one. Uh, if you made me, I would probably uh, I would probably say the Chiefs win this, win this one by more than a touchdown uh, because I just get this terrible feeling that Mahomes is about to go off. But if you look at the data, everything suggests this should actually be a, a much closer game, and seven points is a lot uh, to to put on um, the you know the number the current number one seed in the NFC. Now, Chiefs are getting torched by the tight end position. Now, it's not always a perfect translation, but they've allowed, you know, bottom five in fantasy points of games up near 18, and I think bottom three in yards allowed is 72 yards a game. Tanyan is out. 
uh, it was a little messy there. I don't know. I heard people talking about Mercedes Lewis. In fact, Govier asked me about Mercedes Lewis when uh, Josiah DeGuara actually got the catches. He was two for 20. Do you think that's a spot for a min, a min play, right? We're talking about rookie quarterback, first time out. DeGuara shouldn't be getting any attention. He kind of going to run some routes. He's at the min 2-5. Nope. Okay. <laughs> and it's not Lewis, right? It's not Mercedes Lewis either, is it? No. No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> All right, man. This is an awesome show. As always, last game, Matt. Let's finish up. Oh, you know from- what? Wait, oh, no, 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 no. Let me back up the one thing. It's go. Jordan Love. So we don't know what the hell he's thinking. So, I mean, it could be. It could certainly be a tight end. There's nothing in the world other than hoping and praying and closing your eyes that would make me want to play either of them. That right. being said, it's Jordan Love. We don't know what his preference is going to be through an entire game. It could yeah. be anyone, you know? Yeah. Uh, we even can see Randall, five, we should, yeah. right? Like you said, Randall Cobb can end up with 200 yards in this freaking thing. Yeah, even even at two five, he still needs 10, which is low. But you guys still have to be realistic. We have to assign numbers to it. Yeah, and more 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 likely he's gonna get six. For, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know if he get to six for 40. Six feels high. Five for 50 might be more yardage than I think he can get. So yeah, I was just kind of thinking out loud. I, I'd be going with Albert O, or if not, I'm kind of falling in love with uh, Conklin. Again, I, I just happened to nail that Uzama play. It was all the same bases. The Ravens tend to blitz a lot, and that shortens the target tree for the quarterback. Cousins has been good. Whatever. That's what I was saying. So, all right. Hey, I'll, I'll, save, I'll save you time on the last game. Bet the under and play no one. Bet the uh, Really? Bet the under and play no one. All right, people. So, We're division, going out to the West Division Coast. game, Kyler Murray, ankle. Uh, Cardinals always too many mouths to feed running back with Arizona too many mouths to feed Elijah Mitchell doesn't get involved in the pass game there is nothing here for you to like in DFS that's a sure thing other than again closing your eyes and hoping uh, in my opinion yeah it kind of feel it does it really it really kind of feels that way I I I like Mitchell a lot and I started him against the Bears because their run defense in the middle is not very good. Um, Arizona gave up a buck thirty to Dalvin Cook, a buck thirty combined to Hyde and Robinson, over a hundred to Henderson, Michelle. Then they did pretty good. Dylan and Jones got him for a buck thirty-five last week. So you can run against the Cardinals. But uh man, yeah, this, this is a tough one. I I think maybe I'm gonna I, I like him in season long. I just think he's I think his ceiling is capped. Um, other than a fluke occurrence in touchdowns, which aren't really due to him. They're due to circumstances, you know, like if a wide receiver, I always love when like the wide receiver doesn't quite get at the one and then the, the running back gets a touchdown. It's not really an earned touchdown. It's just a touchdown. Yeah, um, so I, the last couple of games, um, Eli- Elijah Mitchell has gone 18 catches for 107 yards, 18 um, rush. I'm sorry. 18 rushes for 107, 18 rushes for 137, a touchdown in each zero targets in both. 19.7 fantasy points, 22.7 fantasy points. I think that's what he is. Um, his floor is well below that, but I think that's kind of uh, – his ceiling is a fluke ceiling, which would be either a burst play, which he doesn't have a ton of, uh, or just a fluke occurrence and touchdowns, neither of which are smart to bank on. So yeah. I just think that if um, 
he, he's just priced a little high for what he is. Fifty eight hundred, I think, is one of those like Vegas prices where it's kind of it kind of screams take me. But I think what you're more than likely you're, <laughs> you're 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 writing yourself down for about twenty points, um, which I think is fine for cash games. Uh, but for GPP, I don't think there's much ceiling beyond the obvious. So Cardinals defense is very good. They generally show up. They say they've had some struggles in the middle with the run, but so what, right? So Mitchell gets 87 without a score. Even if he gets 87 and a score, you know, there he doesn't pay off for DFS. So, yeah, I could see that. Last critical piece there, uh, Debo Samuel. I, I, I almost play Debo whenever he's linked up with Jimmy G. 35% of the target share, 37% of the air yards. The A dot is low at 8 but he has over 400 and over 400 yards after the catch, man. This guy is is a total beast. He's got the home run, you know. He's got the home run ability, and that's that's really big. So, wondering if you could think about going there. The Cardinals have been very good against the number one wideout. I know some people are getting back on the Ayuk train because his usage is back, you know, the way you'd expect from like a real starter, but. I guess it's easy to fade. What about Samuel, though? He is a superstar, and missing out on him could sting you. It could. But, you know, no. No. No, I mean, hey, hey, here's the thing. I mean, mean, since for the season, targets 12, 8, 10, 13, 9, 11, 11, or 9, 11, 9. I mean, he's he's great, right? Yeah. Uh, There's nothing to, to dislike. It's just a matter of. It's still the 49ers. They love to run the ball. He's priced at 7,800. High. Um, you know, he, the chances of him returning that are are, are lower. I mean, he's he, he burned Seattle for 38. He burned Detroit for 35. Um, but you know, in those games, they were they're pretty close. I mean, the the 49ers lost to Seattle 28-21. They beat Detroit 41 to 33. And a lot of that had to come with um, you know staying in the game behind. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's just. It's fine. It's 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 fine. It's just I don't I don't like this. You know I've I've said this for the last the entire season. Division games, man, are a different animal. Uh, I just shy I just shy away from stuff, especially high priced people. Yeah, and he's a he's a really good example of our usage of that four times multiplier. Let's use last week as a per, it's a perfect example. Six. You know, nine targets. I mean, that's you know, it's, you obviously want double digits, but nine is a nice load. Six catches, 171 yards, and he will have fallen definitively short of making that mark. And, dude, 171, you know, you're almost, if not, you know, the, the yardage leader on the week. And it kind of goes to show you how much price affects that. That once I feel like almost once you're up above seven thousand, you need to get in the end zone. It just becomes difficult to hit thirty. It's just it's just what it is. And I don't think a lot of people look at that that aspect. So I, and and I love that. So you're off this one, man. For me, the betting board is trying to tempt me right with the the Cardinals being underdogs and getting plus money, where we don't know if Murray's going to play yet. He hasn't practiced, but I feel like if he if they do announce him as a starter this moves from plus two to a pick em, or plus two to maybe Cardinals minus one and me just kind of seeing the opportunity. I'm, I'm just I'm licking my chops a little bit, but I, I think you make a pretty good point about all the defenses and stuff. So I, I really see where you're going. This one might make sense to avoid. Um, all right, people, that was the full Sunday slate. As we've been going, I've been building, I've been building a team with the players that we've mentioned. This team is awesome. I can't wait to run it out. It is, it's awesome, but I'm missing, Matt, I'm missing one piece. And I have money 
for a quarterback. In fact, I have money for Lamar Jackson if I don't mind going down to a min-price defense. Could I ask you, who is your quarterback if you're getting off of – if you're moving down from uh, Jackson in price, who is the guy that you that you like, man? Everyone listening, scream out who my quarterback is in your car or your, your place now. You all know who it is. Take one second. Scream it, scream it out loud. Is it Tua? Yes, it's Tua, 5,800. Absolutely. It's Tua. Okay. I, I, well, the reason I said that, and that's why I offered up Lamar, because, you know, there's a, there's pieces between the two. So I know that you put the flag on Tua, but I th- was wondering how much of that was the price. And well, here, here's, I, here's, well, here you go. Here's my lineup so you can see I stacked. Yeah, yeah, go. I stacked Tua, Waddle, and Gusecki. They're in there. Um, uh, so uh, Tua is my quarterback at 5,800. My starting running backs are Aaron Jones at 72 and Austin Eckler at 79. Okay. Uh, my wide receivers are Jalen Waddle at 60, 56, Jerry Judy at an even five, and Hollywood Brown at 6,000. My tight end is Mike Gusecki at 49. My flex is Hunter Renfro at 48. Um, I may roll one there. I may roll another one with an identical price, Darius Slayton at 4,800. Uh, as well in the flex, but um, and my defense is the Panthers, as we said at the very top of the show, twenty six hundred. There's nothing you could say to talk me off of them at twenty six hundred. They're just locked in. If they if they bust, they bust. But if twenty six hundred, they they're they're my go to defenses. Let me ask you, oh, apples to apples, because I'm coming. I'm looking at this decision now. Panthers at twenty six, Bengals at twenty nine. Bengals um, Bengals against the Browns, not a bad matchup there either. Um, I don't know I just it's so even, right? Defense. That's okay. Yeah. Let me just... All right, last one. Heads up, Jalen. Uh, now, see, I'm, I'm. I ended. I have like extra money this week, and that can get you in trouble, people, because you write the reaction, man. I think the natural reaction is to kind of spend up. So I have fifty nine hundred for my flex. That's going to be the question I'm taking into the weekend. Pitt is right at the top. Jalen Waddle is there at fifty six. Mark Andrews, or do I go down to the guy I had in originally, like guys like Tony? Or um, Renfro, you know, it's going to be tough for me. Right now I'm thinking Waddle after you dropped the Parker news. So check out check out the, the lineup that I put together. So it has your Tua Waddle connection, so I'm sure you're going to love that. So it's Tua up top, Austin Eckler and Ezekiel Elliott, one-two punch. Marquise Brown, Amari Cooper, and Brandon Cooks, number one targets, all of that 30% target share we love. Tyler Conklin at the tight end. And if I wanted to punt down the Albert O, I could, but I think I'm going to get a little bit of diversity there. Then Waddle in the flex to pair with Tua. And then that Panthers defense that you mentioned. Dude, there's not a hole in that lineup. Aside from, I mean, the tight end, right? I know going in that I need 10 to 12 from Conklin that I hope he's going to get against Baltimore, who struggles. I love this lineup. I really do. I'm going to run this out Billy for sure. Um, I do like I mentioned before in the show as much as I like Zeke. I'll probably I'll probably try to get a lineup in there as well. I'll probably do one without Aaron Jones, um, just in case that turns to shit, and um, and probably put in Zeke for two hundred dollars less. Same lineup. I wouldn't alter anyone else. Uh, I'd have four hundred dollars remaining, and that would just remain in the bin. Uh, so yeah, I would uh, same lineup with Zeke versus Jones. I, I like just as much. So I like oh man, that. Matt. I know we're going a little long, but before we get out of here, we, I, I never like to leave. Such great questions on the table. So this is my question for you. It's a question people have for me. And I, it really, it's really important as far as strategy goes. So this is, I, there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer, but you mentioned running out an identical team with one change. Is that something that you like to do? I have found 
in as my experience grows, it is something I like to do. I think people fall in love with like that multiple entries have to be totally they have to be totally totally different. And I don't like that. I, I think I want to keep a tight circle of ownership. And now, granted, I may not do a single player, but maybe a two-player thing. Like maybe that lineup I meant, maybe one of them I am going to go with Lamar. And then maybe one of them I am going to go with Tua, where I go really low like a Bateman. You know, go Lamar and Bateman. Uh, you know, like just switch a skinny stack or something. And I have found that that works also. I Again, Sometimes I find I fall into that, you know, trying to be too cute, trying to be too unique, and I end up with players that I don't really want. So I'm wondering, do you like to build kind of sim very similar builds? Yeah, I, I mean, I have all the players that I, I truly like um, that I want to stick in there, and then I have a couple that I'm maybe not as sure about, and that makes things pretty simple, you know. Uh, if, uh, like I said, I'm not sure about Aaron Jones because of the usage of Dylan or just the overall way Jordan Love's going to run the ball. I know I like Zeke. I'll, I'll swap him out there. Jerry Judy, I like for 5,000, but again, um, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. I don't know how that's going to go. Maybe I swap him out for another option. Like I said, Renfro, uh, I, he can be Darius Slayton. He can be a lot of other people. So um, I'll be swapping out one piece here, one piece there. I may do right. one where I pay up for Lamar, um, and then I will adjust uh, the others accordingly. I already have Hollywood in there, so I would probably take out Gasecki in that particular instance, moving someone else. Uh, I'll probably have a Jordan Love lineup because I think this week you kind of have to. For example, if I move in Jordan Love instead of instead of Tua, that uh, that gives me sixty four hundred dollars to work with in my flex. That's quite a bit. Uh, you know, I yeah. uh, at the very top of the board, I can like move in DJ Moore, which again I don't want to, but that's a lot to work with too. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do here. So yeah, yeah it's uh yeah, I, I love moving in one one person I do like a lot that I mentioned earlier. I like to like move in Zach Moss. I, I would. So uh, if I wanted to like put him in there instead uh, that, that, you know, th that would give me a, 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 you know, a ton of money to work with. If I put in like uh, God, I had Jordan love in there. I don't like that. Let's say I, uh, my entire lineup before I take out Aaron Jones, I take out Tua. So now uh, I put in Zach Moss for Jones and uh, I'll put in, let's say I wanted Lamar Jackson 7,300. So now in my flex, I still have 5,400 available. Uh, for a player, which you know leaves leaves me with the ability to put in a lot of the guys we've already talked about. I could put That's in a good T amount. Higgins. I could put in T Higgins. Yeah, um, fifty four so, is a good amount. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go here, but like again, you know, I I know I like um I I like the 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 the, the Miami stack, so they'll probably be in there. But I know I love Waddle. I know I have Hollywood Brown. I know I love the Panthers. So if you get buildings blocks, you know you can just switch around um your best values from there and go. Uh, you know, because, you know, if you convince yourself of certain players um, and you don't think they, um, especially the ones that aren't going to have the crazy ownership levels, then, you know, yeah, just just kind of mess around from there. But, yeah, I don't like to go with completely different lineups. That just seems suboptimal. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I, it's something I just used to do as a less as a less experienced player. Wow, that was awesome as always. Uh, that was all anybody should be able to stomach for the Sunday main slate. I mean, fantasy, betting, DFS, prop plays. Geez, there's just a ton of gold nuggets in there. I want to thank everybody for sticking around with the big show. Matt, so awesome to have you around today. I've been referring to you as, you know, the Han Solo of this Falcon, and I've been doing my best Chewbacca impression without actually doing a bad Chewbacca impression, which I can't do, but I've always wished that I could. So everybody, you know, get up in the comments, rate, review, and subscribe. It means a ton. 
Any kind of questions you have, you hit us on Twitter. I'm at MLB Moving AVG, or you could just type in NFL Moving Averages. Matt, where can everybody find you if they are blind? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Woohoo! Follow us no all else, week. It's seven. been awesome. <laughs> everybody this is the bliss licking they lips twitter with this minimal risk finity shifts ribbon off rip quick in the hits first on the list is mad will going crazy on the daily dropping facts like a shower in the world of rain and entertainment yeah another day another pod all these thoughts are up facade so i had to ask him what he got said he got a lot said he got a lot of what got a lot of shifts and it's time for the daily blitz